He looks at it like it is the fallen dick of one of his comrades that he doesn't know how it got into his house. I watched it all the time when I was young, and mm-hmm. especially because that was my first beheading I had ever seen on a movie. Everybody right remembers their first. Well, well, well. You joke, but I genuinely, that was a huge thing. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the 1969 French film Army of Shadows. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 165, and I am your host, Alex Diekman. Along with me today, the two regulars, Nick Cheney. Hey. How you doing? What's up, Fonz? That's what it was, right? Was it? You were like, hey. Does Fonz own the word hey? I think so. Is that copyrighted? I think so. It's also weird because uh, he doesn't know how to ride a motorcycle, so it's really awkward. But he does know how to ride a jet ski. <laughs> what was that show we watched, that like really short... Uh, oh, Children's Hospital. Oh, yeah. That episode that we watched was just fantastic. We watched the <laughs> Do the Right Thing parody episode <laughs> after we watched Do the Right Thing, and it was godlike. Well, you, sh- you should, because it's one of the best episodes. Who is that show. voice? We're going to get to that. Yeah, I was going to say. Can we, get- we, can, we can tease the audience a little bit. I was, was going to say, I, was, I guess I don't even need to introduce Toussaint now, because he just stepped Hello! right in. What was that? Was that, that Bane? Bane? No. It was, was. If two people said it was, that means it was. Yeah. That's okay. That was really horrible. It sounds like Humpty Dumpty or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Does Humpty Dumpty have a voice? No, it doesn't. Really? He doesn't. Really? Does okay. conception start at eggs? I'm very proud of you. That was very good. That's okay. It's not. It's wrong, but it's, it's a really hot yeah. button topic yeah. right now. Thanks. So. Well, I'm gonna push it. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Why did you have a southern accent when you said that? <laughs> John, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Nobody can see our faces. We can make whatever voices we want. <laughs> Nobody what? can see our face. That doesn't, so that, that doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's a podcast. Ah, yeah. Treat him like Jerry. <laughs> okay. Uh, our guest today is a new person, which is fantastic. To the not, world. Not, not, not because we don't like the people who are regular guests, like Anna or Sam. Great. Now, everybody we also have that you didn't just mention... They're bad. Be upset. So now we have to name every single person who's been on this podcast. Kenny, 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 Kenny. Uh, Brian, Jess, yes, Jess. That one time, yes. Uh, um, what's her name? Aaron. Aaron. There was yes. Aaron. Multiple episodes she was on. Uh, we did the Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. From Minnesota. Yeah. We did the one. Sorry episode... to give out your state, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> we did the one episode with. Uh, oh, we did the. X-Men episode? Oh, Christina. Yes. Christina. Yeah. yeah so that's, yes. I think that's everybody. I think yeah. that's it. Look at that. We did it. 
That's pretty good. So now you're none of you are special, oh, Brian. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so we did mention Brian. Oh. I think somebody said Brian. I said Tucson Brian. said Brian. Yeah, we don't Anyways. have to say Brian. We don't know him shit. <laughs> it's actually okay. true. Okay, Brian somehow leaned in on his first ever episode, and we ended up doing a three hour episode on Batman. Oh yeah, Superman. That, that, he knows what he did. That happened. <laughs> so that was there for you, but that's okay. Anyways, the guest who is joining us today is Dan Brooks. Welcome to Film Tank. Thank you. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. We, we love to find long-time listeners because yeah. they are out there, apparently. Not a lot of people will admit that in public. There are dozens You're, of us. You're dozens. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go that far, right? <laughs> we, we may still be in single digits, but that's okay. Oh, whatever. You know what? That's more than zero. Yeah, it is. That's that is true. Nine is more than zero. And you know who listens to these episodes? Your mom? Every Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Leave her out of this. <laughs> Every episode, the three guys sitting right here, when we say it, because we listen to it live, so yeah. if anything, we're the super fans. When's the last time you went back and actually listened to one of our episodes? Uh, I listened to one on the way to Minnesota when I last went, on back in uh, August, but I don't remember which one I listened to. It probably Uh-oh. was just one of the recent ones that had dropped. I say drop like it was a surprise, even though I'm the one that clicked. It is kind of a surprise. Well, it is a drop. surprise. Yeah, that's true. But um, w- really what happened, because I think you told me to post some before I left. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure the night of, or well, I guess the morning after the that I posted them, I went to test to see if they actually you know worked. So when I clicked on one, I actually just, you just ended, ended up, up just, just listening to it. Yeah, you know, every once in a while, in right I, there. I find our voices charming. Yeah. So, anyways, Dan, again, welcome. Thank you. Really good mm-hmm. to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> but I just want to say there's uh, there's history here, too, mm-hmm. because I have talked about Dan mm-hmm. in past episodes when you haven't done it recently, which is totally fine because we haven't done it recently. I do um, to go back to that, yeah. But uh, Facebook commented on some of our posts back in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've been a, you actually have been a long-time listener. Yeah, so. I have actually. Yeah. Um, I think the first one was I heard Gattaca. Yeah, actually, which Ooh. I loved. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, they're doing their favorite movie, you know. So I listened to the other two. Yeah, we were supposed to do that like every year, and then we never did. Yeah. I've honestly listened to we those should. three episodes several times, though. Oh, so I've made up for the lack of extra. Well, episodes here's the here's the well, I, I, yeah. here's here's the problem with February is that that's usually when we end up talking about most of the Oscar movies. That's true. So, yeah. That's true. But we somehow did that February favorite, like, the February we got back after Sundance. Yeah, so. that's when we really cared about this podcast. Apparently, yes. <laughs> hmm. But you now, now. Another month? I mean, was that? You could always do it in March. Or... Yeah. But there's March, no Fs. Mad- March Madness. March. That's already copyrighted, Mad- Dan. We do need to do Damn another it. top six Pat episode here at some point. March that, that's not a movies. Yeah. March movies. Oh. Boom. Really dug deep. This is why we, you're on this podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. Boom. So, Dan, do you do you remember what his what the comment was on Facebook? Well, is that kind of a deep? That's a good question. I want to say at one point. Well, I don't remember if. No, I don't. Okay, I remember I'm something sorry, else, I... but that was just a private thing, and I don't mean private in the sense that it was like sensitive information. I mean like it yeah. was a 
separate conversation yeah. from. So that was about Metropolitan. Oh yeah, watching absolutely. that over Christmas break. Um, um, but in general, I forget. Um, okay, well, sorry to sorry to put you on the spot there. Although one time you did talk about Pasolini uh, when I, I did. when I talked I about He's either nice. Salo kind of my or, least or Trilogy of Life or something. Uh, yeah, because you had just seen the yeah, so that's one. Uh, or I mean, um, the Decameron, Decameron and that's right. the other one, yeah. Um, and so then there, remembered I, one. I commented on the fact know, that you the hated my taste. No, no. I, I, I wished you. I, I gave you sympathy. I See, think, Dan started as an internet me. troll, <laughs> and then we reined him in, and now we're here to, you know, like like how the New Yorker wanted to face Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus! We are trying to sit down and have a decent right. civil conversation. And then yeah. John Mulaney boycotted. Yeah. And then That's Brad true. You know, John Mulaney won't even listen to this podcast because he's upset about I know. This I, I heard that. He was like, you know, even anybody who mentioned Steve Bannon, it's like, psh, I'm gone. Yeah. You know? So, hmm. so, mm-hmm. so this or should Judd be a scorcher, folks. Thank you for dating this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be dated no matter what. I know. It'll just be that much funnier when people uh, first hear this in uh, 2020. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Well, you know, hindsight's everything. Yeah. (laughs) We so proud of you. That was good. We have uh, a... This is my goal, and every five minutes (laughs) is to get him to squeal like a pig. That was very Uh, clever, though. I mean... (laughs) We have a really bad history of... Talking about current events that yeah, are you, yeah. you do. super random. Remember our Hillary episode? Oh, oh God. Uh... I do remember, uh, this is kind of funny, I remember we were going to do an episode on the HBO movie Game Change after the 2016 election, Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. then we all decided we didn't want to yeah, anymore. Yeah, that was just depressing. <laughs> so depressing at that point. That's yeah. a good movie. It uh, is. But, yeah. Good, really good it. performances by um, Ed Harris mm-hmm. and obviously Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore yeah, and also Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So at any rate, yeah, Absolutely. we do random political offshoots that are just so dated. Yeah, really yeah. quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that was when I was doing my podcast. It was the same way. Oh yeah, like, I'd be going and be like, "All right, here's a new song with its band we recorded." And by the way, what's the deal with that W? You know, I mean, <laughs> a little more nuance than that. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Actually. Anyone want a whitewater loan? I mean, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, but that makes it that makes it. I think even more fun to listen back though. That is true. So that's true. To you know, hear about us. Discussing in depth um, paper towel launching. But like here's I, the thing. Oh, You're yeah. right because I just pulled the whitewater loan thing from an episode of News Radio, where Bill played wonderfully by the uh, rest in peaceful uh, Phil Hartman, where he will not stop making extremely political references, which at the time were current mm-hmm. and in that time like absurd. But if anything, it just makes that episode even funnier now because mm-hmm. he's supposed to be an annoying uh, absurdist character. So mm-hmm. anyway. Anyways, really randomly, you made a mention about the lobster. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, did anybody watch the second trailer for The Favorite? No, but no. I heard it was good. First one looked good. I saw the poster today. Hey. Poster's good. Mm-hmm. Poster's really good. Yeah. And the second trailer also is very good. Yeah. I'm, so. I mean, I'm pretty much sold, so I'm not, like, seeking it out. But no. If I, but I probably will sit down and watch no. it. No. Yorgos Lanthimos is, is a good filmmaker. Yeah, I like everything I've seen by him. I, yeah. I think I've seen, what, four movies? He's been... He's been Active too, yeah. Which is nice, yeah. Especially like for the... being American, well, not but English language production. I'm kind of surprised that he's been doing those as fast as he has. He's mm-hmm. been on the Denis Villeneuve track here, yeah. where he's just yeah. knocking stuff out pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. You know what? Denis Villeneuve should direct a Lanthimos script. Mm-hmm. That would be cute. Hmm. 
Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be that far different from either one of them. But it would be just the right amount of aesthetic to the dry absurdism I think of Mr. Y. So yeah, you're right. language, French-Canadian director. Mm. I like the idea. Coming together. Mm-hmm. Cats and dogs. <laughs> Maybe after he's done with Dune. Yes. Dune. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a failed project. No. Here's the thing. Does he automatically get a second Dune? No, like, he's I don't saying, know why the fuck he's doing after he's what happened he wants with to Blade do a, Runner a part two. Like right. he wants mm-hmm. to do two parts, right? But saying you want to do that and saying, "Oh, I'm going to be able to do two of them no matter what," mm-hmm. is a pretty big gamble, right? Well, does he mean he wants to do two? Like he wants to do Dune in two films, or does he yeah. want to do like yeah. Dune? It seems like he wants Messiah to do part one, part two oh, type thing. Yeah. Okay. He wants to cut but it in half. I'm pretty sure the studio is like, "You got one." Yeah. Has he had box office successes? I mean, he had Sicario. I was going to say, if Sicario can have a sequel, then it makes me hopeful that Dune but just has that to have a sequel. success at the box Arrival? office? Day of the Salt Daddy. Uh, Arrival got Arrival, Oscar buzz. Arrival was pretty Oscar popular. Buzz. Oscar did it, buzz. Did it do well at the box office? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I feel like he is not that bankable of a name. Hmm. Prisoners? I don't know. I, I love prisoners, but mm-hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. We love it so much, we stop posting episodes after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have them. <laughs> Shut up, we have we, we have them. They're just not on the internet. That's so. true. We're gonna we're gonna hold them and release them all at once. Well, in the hashtag we're, we're the... universe, um, I need to scrub these things clean. I was gonna say we're on we're on, <laughs> we're actually trying some different. We're on the Netflix plan now, so that's fine. Did you say Netflix? Yeah, where you release all of the episodes in the season at once. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, I got it. No, I said Netflix. Netflix. No, I they said Netflix. No, and I was uh, like, tell this me the more. One for squirrels. <laughs> yes. Yeah, squirrels. No, <laughs> that is the. That one. They, have squir- they have squirrel Frasier. Um, all the squirrel. Okay, you've never seen Squirrel Fraser? No. <laughs> it's it's really it's only like five minutes long because it's so fast. But other than that, yes. So Dan, here the blues are Almost <laughs> always when we have a <laughs> a oh, for a. Uh, isn't it nice to Nick? Isn't it nice to have somebody who enjoys your actually humor? gets my references? Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm yeah. like you two fucks. I I love the puns, by the way. And, oh, uh, thank you! Yes. Wow, because I'm you. guilty of it a lot myself. Yeah. So. Well, oh, okay, good. Yeah, so when yeah, you got it, you got it. Yeah. When we have new people uh, on as guests, we almost always ask them. Pays them. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Someone's got to guess where this know, funnel's going. Yeah. Someone's got to you know <laughs> take the run away from this? Tucson every now and then. So what? That's right. huh? No, I don't. I didn't catch that. So we, we always ask our new friends what films are their favorites and also what kind of films do, do you really like? Mm. Um, my favorite movie is Miller's Crossing by <sighs> Coen Brothers, which I'm a big fan of. I Can I just say, yes. I watched it for the first time like a couple months ago. Did you? And awesome. I hate gangster movies. Mm. I mean, not hate, but like they're just not my thing. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you. But that was an instant classic for me. So. This time next year, he's going to just like dive into a bunch of gangster films. Awesome. No. Just like I will films. not do it. I'm down. Me and, two, me I, and Nick can watch movies together then. <laughs> Honestly, there's... Well. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, I love that film. Um, I mean, you know, probably seen it like... I don't know, 10 or 15 times. Uh, just cinematography, the yep. plot, I mean, just the acting, character development, the whole thing. It's just dizzyingly complex. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff where they're, like, talking about characters that you haven't even seen yet, and you're, like, 15, 20 minutes in the movie, and you're like, wait, who are they talking You know, but it's, I love it, yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of the Coen Brothers. They're probably my favorite living 
directors. Okay. Um, my favorite non-living director is probably Kira Kurosawa. Um, We've talked about him. Indeed. Um, two episodes on him? Two. Or three. Throw. We didn't do an episode on Seven Samurai, right? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. I thought you did. No, maybe not. No, we didn't. We did Throat of Blood and we did Rashomon. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I believe, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, good choice. I'm trying to think what else. Um, gosh, it's a tough one. Any particular genre that you tend to, like, always seek out? You know, I really like, and it's funny because you were just talking about this the other day. You're like, man, I really hate biopics. And I'm like, man, I love those things. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it's them. A, now, that said, there's a lot of them, especially lately, that I feel kind of just adhered by kind of a boring style. It's kind of a bland, flat style. And it's yeah. okay. And it's I guess you get the information across. But it's like, I, I just, I'd rather have a more um, creative approach to it. Like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, um, uh, you know, Malcolm X or... Um, um, Hoffa, or even some of these like movies, like back in like the early aughts, late nineties, HBO put out a bunch of these biopics that were like yeah. just straight to HBO, and like they were super good. Like there was like you know Rocky Marciano, um, and and again like the Game Change that was another one of mm-hmm. those. You know, I mean, there was a ton they're of starting stuff to like do that, that a little bit now mm-hmm. recently as far as redoing that trend, but with more current events mm-hmm. with like the Paterno and the Wizard of Lies. Oh yeah, but right. those are less. Ab- Biopics yeah. and more of like, let's recreate the crazy seventy-two hours when this was right. a thing, so to speak. But it's still in that same vein. Even even behind the candelabra, kind of falls in that, but not yeah. really. I, I agree. I, yeah. I see it as kind of part of that because that was for HBO, wasn't it? Even yeah, those Soderbergh. I mean, yeah, yeah. they um, that was a good. Film. They acquired it because it was too gay for the theaters. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like Ali, the other studio's you know? words, not mine. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Although when you just said the HBO. Biopic is not the same thing, but something that reminded me of during that time period is uh, wasn't it like the uh, the network channel like NBC and ABC that like did a run of like biopics on like some of the great American legends like the Beach Boys movie yes, and yes, uh, yeah. the one about I think it was Lucy and Ricardo. Did like, they do one on the Three Stooges. They did probably yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But remember that was like a huge thing. Like those movie of the totally. week where those just took over the movies of the week big time. Um, I just was reminded that those existed the other day, and I was blown away. Those were pretty good, but I mean, th- those I don't think of as like no. as artistic. No, but I just, it was more like just remember that we got to get all this information out there, and they, yeah. they you know it's a thirty year movie. It it's kind of like what Lifetime took over now when In they're way, doing the yeah. uh, like the what is it the the Full House special or something? Not the special. <laughs> they, no, but they just did a no, but they did yeah. the Saved by the Bell, the oh, real, yeah, yeah. the unauthorized oh, story behind. Yeah. So it's like all the backstage drama where the only joy in watching it, which there is none, but is to watch actors play the actors you know and whatnot. But they're right. supposed to do a Full House one, and anyway, mm-hmm. um, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. There's a, you know, but like I said, it, it really runs the gamut. But I mean, like, um, I know there was a couple years there where I felt like in the early '90s there was just like a ton of really creative, um, intelligent uh, biopics. Like there was one on Jimmy Hoffa with Jack Nicholson, which I absolutely love. Danny DeVito directed, incidentally. Oh, okay. And um, I'm trying to think what else. But anyway, yeah. I mean, so I tend to gravitate towards that. But to be honest with you, I really try to watch all the genres. I mean, I don't watch many musicals as much as I should. Um, I'm not like I'm kind of a trog when it comes to like silent movies. Like I'm kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, yeah. I, I don't watch many. You know, I've seen a couple of the big ones that you sort of have to if you if you go to film class. You know, right. they're like, okay, you got to watch this or else you're not a film fan <laughs> or right. whatever. You know. But for the most part, I, I try to watch everything. I mean, you know, there's 
things I probably wouldn't watch if, if my gal didn't want to watch it, but most of the time I try to watch everything if I can. Like, you yeah. know, I wouldn't. I, I do like gangster films actually quite a bit. Um, right. Police police procedurals. I dig that a lot. Oh, okay. Um, trying to think. I'm just looking at the posters here on the wall. <laughs> um, well, there are some good ones on there. We absolutely. know. We know what Tucson's favorite is over there. Prometheus. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Don't talk to me about that. Uh, Shut up. You like that movie. Wait, wait. Uh, fuck fuck out of here. I can't remember how you guys came down because I love that movie. Um, and I know I'm not uh, in oh, the majority. I, I quite enjoy it. I know Nick enjoys it. I enjoy it. Okay. Yep. I, I know I know. Tucson gives it a favorable rating even I though he'll dog it. No, I still, I still stand by my initial criticisms of that film, but it has, I don't know. The farther away I get from it, I'm like, eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> I get it. No, I, I get you. It's way better than Alien Covenant. Um, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I, I think Prometheus is a more interesting, yeah. unique, unique film, but I Alien Covenant is kind of more like an alien. Film I think it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting and unique by that's, dint that's, of the fact it doesn't problem. know what it wants to be. <laughs> so, so I got distracted by my poster behind me. Yeah. Oh, the vinegar syndrome. Yeah, because what's great is that you know all these little drawings are all from different movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just realized that I watched one of these over the weekend, and now I know what that's a reference to, oh, which oof. is. Uh, this little picture right here of this man with the beard uh, who is maybe the most... Uh, and the beard. The I'm man sorry. with the beard. Um, who is the most probably celebrated adult male uh, pornographic star in the movie. His name is Jamie Gillis mm-hmm. in the movie Dracula Sucks. Oh. him as Dracula. Those oh. look like he's dressed as Dracula. So. Ah, yes. Blackula. Uh, that's a different movie. Um, he's benic- white. Benicula. Benicula. That's a bunny. Love, <laughs> love Benicula. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Um, just, uh, yeah, it's just, it. You know, it's yeah. great to find out about you. Yeah. And um, I, I wish I was a little more prepared there. Oh, no, no, I would have come. You know, busted out like my usual. We have list. no preparation for this <laughs> podcast ever. So you, you are totally <laughs> well, good. We watched the film. That's our preparation. Usually, right. Toussaint doesn't even know what film we're doing. Oh, so. I know what film we're doing. That's all right. And on an early episode, uh, Toussaint started a week in review by talking about the film we were reviewing. So that was uh, fantastic. Oh, really? I, I can't even remember that. I don't remember that. Oh, I mean, was it cut out it later? Was, oh, no, we kept it in. It's a, it, <laughs> oh, of course you did. It's like the fourth episode or oh. sixth episode. It's an early episode. Yeah, it's oh, an early I heard, episode. I heard those. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's one of the episodes with the, with the old microphones, I think. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's how old that is. What movie are we talking about? This we are going to talk about a movie in a little bit okay. called Army of Shadows. Keep your pants on. Seriously, like, I know you're trying to move the train along, but you're not the conductor, so if you could just... Oh, damn. It's a good movie. It's a good... It's a good it, it is. Spoilers. But... Damn it. I know, seriously, just give us your rating, that's fine. Okay. Anyways, Three no. out of five? Fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, all right. The usual Toussaint? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, the uh, Jean-Pierre Melville film, mm-hmm. Army of Shadows, is what we'll be reviewing shortly. But first, we're going to do a little week in review. Cue the musical cue. Yeah, it would be nice if we had those. Remember Why when don't we, we come up with like, a mute? Yeah. Well, I, I really dropped the ball You on did. That. that was like your idea. I know. And I was on board. You know, I've got like tons of free, I've got like hundreds of free instrumentals you could use. Oh, no. I'm, I'm looking for like a uh, wacky. Like a Foley type thing. Like, oh, like, like a radio. Yeah. 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 Like a. We might have one of those actually. Yeah. yeah like, Silophone. Yeah, do, 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 do. Oh, no. Yeah, we've got a couple of those. No, yeah, I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, I, goofy ones. I was always wanting to have. Oh, yeah. Quotes from, from movies that are like really. You, yeah. You wanted to do a custom soundboard, which mm-hmm. I think was way too ambitious because you wanted to. 
I'm not way too ambitious because you can do it. I just meant way too ambitious because you, well, clearly didn't do it. <laughs> and I could have made it happen. Then we were like, well, what about a more standard one of at least stupid things like barn animals or something <laughs> like Jonathan Brandmeier shit? Oh yeah, um, morning zoo. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> And that's an extremely uh, regional... Uh, Jonathan Brandmeier. Yeah, yeah, hey. I haven't Johnny heard that B. name in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, what's weird about Jonathan Brandmeier is that my dad had a VHS of something that he did, but I don't remember what it was. Like, I don't know if he just got a special somewhere or something. But anyway, I watched it, and there were weird things in there, like Jonathan, like a weird <laughs> sex ed video where like Jonathan Brandmeier is teaching you how to put a condom on a banana. But there were like no jokes. <laughs> so I'm like, is this just trying to be helpful? It, maybe it was like a PDA, you know, like yeah. public, that's, that's, anyway, or that's, public service PSA, should I say, not a PDA, and also yeah, a PDA, and a PDA. PDA. Well, that was a PDA. And it kind I was of was say, in that area. He took that banana home. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, he did have a short-lived television series that was on late at night. Maybe that's uh, what I'm thinking. Of. It was like Johnny B, and it was only on for like a few weeks. I think it probably was that because I'm sure it was, it was just something my dad just you know recorded um it was yeah uh channel two and if it was bad that sounds like something my dad would like <laughs> oh, no being truthful well i love seriously. him that, he likes that, me that might, i'm a piece of shit that might be good anything that keeps your dad from buying random meat from local meat vendors who go yeah. door to door mm. yeah who actually have the meat he with bought them meat off mm. of a truck well, that'd be a hmm. pretty good premise for a horror film. Yes, it would. It's just one of those guys who just murder people, and then he just like sells the meat to people and just packages yeah. it in such a way as a, to get it's rid like, of the bodies. There you go. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, but just with the with the ice huh. truck. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yep. Oh, uh-huh. You know okay. what it sounds like? That's an underrated movie. It is actually. It sounds like a horror movie that sounds really good, and then it ends up being one of the worst horror movies ever. Oh. But you think that about a lot of horror movies. Yeah, it's true. No, but I'm just imagining that movie we watched a few months ago. Can't remember what it's called right now. It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, you left. That's how bad it was. Wow. Oh my god! Oh, I, it, wait, that's not, that's not fair. I, it was, oh, I, it no. was not because it was bad. Oh. I would have stayed if it was even bad. I had homework that I needed to sure. do. Yeah, things. Things. Yes. Yeah. I watched that for a second time the other day, <laughs> and I was more sober. It was interesting. Well, what was the film? Oh, it's, it's called. Things. Legitimately one of it's the worst movies ever. It was literally called Things. the late yeah. 80s. The Canadian direct-to-video <laughs> movie. i surprised I hadn't heard of it, actually. It's, uh, it's amazing. Direct-video Canadian late 80s. It seems like that's my wheelhouse. I mean, I, I would have, you know. Amber I mean, Lynn, isn't it? Oh, The porn star? Yes. As a newscaster? Yes. Who's randomly, their idea of like what a news station looks like <laughs> is someone standing in a closet <laughs> with three TVs behind them <laughs> showing the footage you are watching of them talking in the closet. I love those. Where so. the TV is it's just behind the, Yeah, it's, it's just them. a closed circuit loop of right. what you're watching it's, already. It's so. just, yeah. Anyway. Infinite regress. Of- Clearly on a shoestring budget. Yeah, but he was able to get uh, a direct to VHS like funding like a distributor because mm-hmm. he told people that he made it for three hundred thousand dollars and they believed that. Oh, <laughs> anyway. uh, so oh no, he's gonna yeah. write this down. Don't you, worry, you can borrow it. You don't want to watch this, yeah, you do. really. If it's not even, it's not even worth it. Yes, it is. I mean, honestly, if it, I don't know if this even makes sense, but I'm. I'm kind of want to see it because I want to re- I want to see if I've seen it before like so I could probably watch it that makes sense and then, okay you know yeah. it's like oh this is give me- it at Neon least Maniacs an hour and a half 
It's only 85 minutes. I was just going to say, it's only 70 minutes. He's just watching, waiting for a post credit scene. There was. <laughs> no. When I watched it sober, you guys didn't know this, but after the, uh, after the credits, there was 10 more minutes. And it was like stuff that would have clearly been still on the VHS of the original uh, master because it's like deleted scenes-esque sure. thing that were mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever. And a lot of it was Amber Lynn like just giggling in front of a camera. Like, mm-hmm. no, seriously, this wasn't like a bonus feature you had to click on. I, I jumped out of my chair because I was like, how did we not stay through the credits last time? So anyway. Come on now. I was, I was creeped me out. So we're going to do a little Regan review here. There we go. Um, who wants to go first? You want me to go first? That sounds like a plan. It sounds like you want to go first. You should I, go first. Let's see. What have I watched? Well, I've watched some porns. So I'll talk about those. Okay. Cool. No one else here. Where are you going? <laughs> no, baby. No, it's just you. Can I have Can another one of these? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Anybody else? No? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Oh. So, let's see here. Um, One of them I watched was called Corporate Assets, but the two S's were dollar signs. Okay, that makes sense. That's the twist part. Directed Uh, by? Oh, boy. Directed by, you know what? I don't remember. I think Thomas Paine. I think uh, is his name. Not that. I love. I love the crisis. Uh, that yes. one was a great. That was a great work. Yep. Um, Not quite. Wordy. The same. Yeah. Eh, well, you know, he, he trimmed he... it back by the time he got to court. Oh, there was a lot of trimming in this uh, one. Zing. Oh snap! Um, so this movie was about a harem run by a very sadistic, uh, wealthy businessman. Okay, uh, Elon Musk. Is there any pretty other much kind really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and like literally the opening scene is. Um, a random guy getting off his phone from a sales pitch, and then two girls come in to give him a present because mm. he was the salesman of the quarter. And this is like exactly what they do. And then, like even after the scene, they walk out, and other women are coming out of their doors, and they're like, "Oh, did he win? Like best whatever of the fun?" They're like, "Yep, again, you know, whatever." But anyway, what starts is more of just a trivial light satire of like the greed and lust of you know white men in power or whatever turns into something way more sadistic and hilariously like twisted because mm. at one point they have there's a rape scene mm-hmm. and it's not a sexy rape scene which mm-hmm. i don't mean that to talk about my own preferences right right but because there are genuinely scenes where it's scenes, literally framed yes as where a, you're not supposed to take it seriously right, right. whereas this was actually like i thought it was real and i was cringing oh, and, right right and i think uh, that means that was good because that that's acting technically i know right. that didn't literally happen right but uh, it was taking yeah. it seriously and um then that character um regressed into a baby like state and spent the rest of the movie like that and then she ended up murdering the uh the head of the uh the company yeah. it was very twisty um <laughs> It was actually not bad. Good. Uh, did you say the what what time period it's from? Uh, it's from the eighties. Oh, from like 80s. actually later eighties, like probably toward the tail end of the golden era, like when things were probably starting to be shot on video. But this was mm-hmm. still not. It was celluloid. Um, let's see. Another one that I watched was Dracula Sucks, which I just mentioned. That was pretty great. Um, I forget who directed it, but that is probably like the Marvel movie of adult film stars of that era like oh, every wow. single one you know from that era was in it huh. and that was actually kind of like kind of fun because I'm like oh no it's Kay Parker and Jamie Gillis <laughs> and um, anyway that was like a lot of information about myself 
Um, no, but it was weirdly arty, mm. and there were a lot of interesting cuts, and almost all the sex was cut down to montage editing instead of, mm. you know, fleshed out, <laughs> ah. um, you know, elongated, dry hope. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it mixed horror and sex quite well. I mean, there was a blowjob that turned into someone get their uh, dick bit off. So, yeah. you know, I was into it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Uh, one other thing I'm going to mention is uh, I rewatched with Dan yes. um, one of my all-time favorite movies, which is not a porno. Uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion. Oh, I'm going to watch one. that. Uh, number 701. Number 701. They're mm-hmm. so good. They are, that one was excellent. Yes, that, that is the best one, but even yeah. the second and third are pretty good. Um, and it's a Japanese uh, women in prison exploitation film centering around a woman uh, played Beautifully by Miko Kaijia. The same person who played uh, Lady Snowblade. Correct. Yeah. Um, she was like the girl back then. Oh, yeah. For at least in the exploitation arena, because it was her and that, Lady Snowblood, um, the Straight uh, Cat Rock series. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a great uh, movie about um, a, her character who's framed for something she didn't do, and then men send her to prison, and then while she's there, the men brutalize her. And they even get some of the other women to terrorize her, and she fights back. And um, it's so exquisitely shot and mm-hmm. uh, color graded and everything. And I generally recommend that movie to anybody because it's so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved um, how even within the scene there would be a uh, there'd be like a, a shift in the suspense or the tone, and the color would change, and even the backgrounds would change. And there was no attempt made to, oh, we're going to try to. Um, you know, finesse this in such a way that it'll seem realistic. I, I like that it was just, it went for the guts, you know, for the gun. Uh, it went for the gunso? Yeah, gunso? it's very um, theatrical in its yeah. presentation. Like, the some of the sets where it's, like, almost 1940s Hollywood-esque mm-hmm. backlit, you know, sunsets where it's so fake that it almost ends up then being even more gorgeous than one that they might try to, you know, actually capture. Things you would see in a Bing Crosby movie. Yeah, very, very Technicolor-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought it was fantastic, and I'm glad Dan enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I actually really liked it. In fact, I, I read uh, later on that night when I, when I got back, I was reading about Later it. on that night? You later left my house at like 2 a.m. And then I was up for another eight. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's only for like another, yeah. I don't know, two, a half hour. I don't know what it was. But anyway, there was a little thing on Wikipedia where they said that one critic was like, well, the second film is even more beautifully made, and the first one's only a pale imitation, and it's very stage-bound. And I'm like, yeah. mm. Second one's very good, but. Yeah, I'm like, uh, it's still, like, it made me want to see the second one. Yeah. Which is not usually something you say. You're like, oh, I saw the first one. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see the sequels. Cause Good thing about the second one is that it's not a retread. It's uh, right. That movie's all about what this kind of movie looks like when she's on the run. So right. it, it's uh, yeah, it's got enough flexibility in it. So, all right. Um, recently, I've been commissioned to write about some anime shit. So I've just been like rewatching some older animes. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Alex. Yeah, you asked me what I was watching. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this. Um, so I have you been know, well, well done. I've been I, watching, I respect that. I've been watching a couple of episodes of a 1974 <laughs> space opera called Space Battleship Yamato, which is directed by Leiji Matsumoto. Mm. Um, the reason why I am watching it is because it was like one of the most pivotal like anime series of its time during the 70s because it sort of marked a transition from like a focus on mecha into space opera and it actually like ended up being like highly influential on like things like even star trek or like even farther other like uh 
space opera, sort of like fair like that. Yeah. And it's probably his most well-known work. So I figure, yeah, I will probably watch that and like write a little th- thing about that. Um, as far as movie and television goes, like I haven't been watching a lot of stuff, but I have been reading. Nice. I have been reading a book called Noman by one of my favorite authors named Nick Harkaway, and I'm currently almost 500 pages into a 700 page book. And so, and I've been I have been reading a lot this year, so I've really enjoyed it. I think it's good. And uh, what's what's it? Uh, I mean, uh, you've you've read other things by that author? Yeah, I've I've read his first book and I've read his second book, and this is now his fourth book. I'll probably double back and like read his third book after this too. What's so. his best book? Uh, his best book? Um, you would recommend to one person? I mean, I would recommend his first book, which is Gone Away World, um, because I feel like that's just a really good primer to understand like what what are his best strengths like his name nick harkaway his real name is nicholas uh cornwell and he is the uh son of john cornwell who you may not know him by that name but you may know him by his nom de plume which is john le Carr, who is the guy who wrote tinker taylor soldier spy <sighs> oh, okay. and the spy who came from the cold so oh. he comes so he comes from a lineage but nick harkaway is very different he's like i've seen people compare him to David Mitchell, the guy who wrote uh, The Bone Clocks and Cloud Atlas and J.G. Ballard mixed with um, Douglas Adams. And that's actually a pretty apt way of like oh, okay. he's, he's he's very he has very colorful humor. He's very quippy, but he has also these very Byzantian like high concept uh, sci fi premises that are just really conceptual and interesting. I'm sure we talked about it on the episode, but did you ever read Cloud Atlas? Or not? I did. I did read Cloud Atlas. I actually prefer the movie to the book um, just for... I remember you saying that. Yeah, it's like there's just a couple of uh, pacing issues. Like, I mean, it, besides the um, besides the, the future um, sequences, which are explicitly directed by the Wachowskis, mm-hmm. um, it's almost a, a, a point-for-point remake of the book, mm-hmm. like almost verbatim. But I think they just found a way to streamline a lot of the connection between these characters and these different timelines. Um, well, even as somebody who wasn't a fan of that movie, yeah. you can do things with connections visually that you just can't do in a book without it being perfunctory. You, right. you can't be like, oh, this nurse has an odd resemblance to right. this other character in this time. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's funny that we're talking about Cloud Atlas because there's a lot of parallels between that book and the one that I'm reading right now because mm-hmm. just to give like a, a, a sort of like shotgun premise, it, sure. it takes place in the year uh, – 2070 around around therein okay. where you take place in a near future great britain that has pretty much devolved into a an entire surveillance state it now operates as a direct democracy and everybody like basically just operates through it as this this part of the system right oh. and then there's a police force of people who are basically there to like it, it's a little bit like minority report where they're called wit- the witness and mm. witness inspectors are basically there to basically comb through like different sorts of memories and other things like that in order to um like see solve crimes before they happen well no just to solve no. crimes in general oh. um, psychopaths yeah so the <laughs> the the main character it's an anime reference that Tucson didn't even acknowledge actually i did acknowledge it after the fact cuz i was busy like you, oh. describing it but, but i do but, like psychopaths now, a lot no wait wait a minute hold on do you say you acknowledge it after the fact and yeah did, did you he, say that Acknowledging? Yeah, is that your acknowledgement? Because there was no acknowledgement before <laughs> it's that. It's kind of a meta. Anyway, Inspector <laughs> so the main character is Inspector Neath and she's Moving basi- on. she's basically brought in to investigate uh this interrogation that the state did of this refusenik 
refuse Nick is a word for somebody who's like a Luddite who doesn't believe in mm-hmm. like being like observed or whatever. Her entire house is like a Faraday cage. Mm-hmm. This refuse Nick author named Diana Hunter who basically has all this apocrypha and other stuff like that, right? And she basically died during her um, interrogation because it was like an invasive procedure where they had like these tendrils going to her brain and like combing her memories and stuff, right? And so basically she's combing through all this this information and she finds out, like, oh, I know why. Um, I know why they weren't able to actually like interrogate her even though this process never failed. It's because she was able to basically splinter all of her memories and organize them into like three competing like narratives within her mind um, spread between like 354 like AD to like 2017. So basically it just follows like these three different uh, narratives of people and how she's trying to like contextualize them and put them together. It's like, okay, why did she die and why the fuck does the state actually want to know what she knew? And it's like it just gets even more crazy because sounds much a, sounds like a much better version of the fountain. Oh yeah, and then there's ooh, like ooh. these are not even like talking about the actual character of Nomon who is like this other sort of narrative that you're trying to wonder is like, was this created by Diana or did somebody else create it and why did they create it? So, Hmm. and it's really good. Um, It's very, very long, 700 pages. It's not as humorous as his previous work, but you know, I, I like it. I thought it was okay. It's not his best work. That's that's the one you're reading right now. That's the one I'm reading right now. What's it called again? It's called Nomon. It's like uh, the, term for the 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 sundial thing that basically like charts like where um yeah got it it's kind yep. of a whole thing yeah nice. but yeah it's good but that's basically been my week in media already <laughs> i should be reading more anyway so yeah. you know yeah, so we probably i'm always like vicariously happy when other people read i'm like oh <laughs> tell me yeah. about it what I was that like I, I can't remember the last book i read yeah. it's, been it's not good me. it's not good i'm reading the animal series that's good the one? Yeah. The Animorph series, yeah. the uh, juvenile uh, <laughs> aimed at children series where children turn into animals oh, to fight aliens. Yeah. Mm. Because a coworker of mine told me that it's way more depressing than you think or remember. Oh, so you were interested. Yeah. And it is. It is very weirdly adult despite being obviously children's books. So, mm. anyway. Mm. Okay. Huh. Dan, you want to uh, take the baton? Sure. Okay. Um, I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, last week I saw um, Seven Days in Entebbe, or Entebbe, oh, yeah. however you say it. Yeah, I think I mentioned it too. I haven't right? seen it. It's but, the Rosamond yeah. Pike film. Right? It is, and she's really good in it. Um, and um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Brule. I can't remember his first name. German Daniel Brule? Daniel Brule. Okay. Thank you, yeah. And honestly, it's it's really good. Um, I've Again, you know, I've seen a lot of films that are based on uh, historical events, particularly not just biopics, but also like, uh, you know, events like, uh, for instance, terror attacks or hostage situations. Have you, have you ever seen Munich? I'm guessing you have. I have. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, I've, I've never really seen it, and I've always wanted to see it. Honestly, it's really good. Um, yeah. it, it's It's one of those movies, and in a way, I thought a little bit about Munich when I was watching this because both films Munich more so but I felt like both films kind of it, it was obvious that Spielberg and Munich was attempting to make a film that was not just f- like about the period but felt somewhat like it was using the techniques from the period like there was a certain amount of um, I don't know kind of a golden brown aspect to it I'm mean, not as far as like McCabe and Mrs. Miller we were talking about the other right. day, but like something like that there was dissolves and Is that shot on film story. Do you know? It might have If been. it wasn't, I, I've at least seen enough of it, because I haven't actually watched the whole thing, to know mm. that it 
made it look like it was. Okay. As far as yeah. washed out and graded. I mean, it very much even felt like those kind of um, paranoid um, conspiracy thrillers from the time, which I really liked, mm. like uh, uh, Three Doors, Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I highly recommend I have it. Not. Um, you know, All the President's Men. Yeah. Um, uh, Parallax View, which is a movie with um, Warren Beatty, and they're all from like the same kind of like four yeah. or five year period. So it was kind of like that, and and I felt like Seven Days in Entebbe. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, <laughs> saying it better than I would. Entebbe, 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 Entebbe. No, I think anyway, it's in Tibet. It's in yeah. It's seven years in Tibet yes. with Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and he plays this German mountain climber, and, <laughs> um, and all the pretty he horses. Wants to go to the him. Oh, wow. Yes. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really well done, and I, I thought it did a good job of explaining uh, the motivations of all the various characters. Because, you know, it's basically divided between these German, um, basically far-left terrorists who are kind of related to this group, Bayer Meinhof, which um, if and when you guys see the movie Carlos, which I know Nick really wants you to see, it's super good. Byron Meinhof plays a pretty important role in that. In fact, hmm. even Carlos the Jackal is even mentioned in Seven Days. Oh, okay. Yeah, they mentioned him. Carlos even said one time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, I know who they're talking about. But so I thought it was really good. And I did a good job kind of explaining the motivations of the terrorists um, as well as the Palestinian terrorists. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was well done. And it also kind of showed like just totally how over their head they were. You know, you, they've done all this training. They went to. You know, I think they went to Syria and, you know, the Palestinians and the Germans go to Syria to train. They're shooting off machine guns and doing target practice and doing all this kind of like training. And then when the time comes at the end, when inevitably the Israelis storm the airport, it's like they're just they're It's like they're they don't even get a shot off. I don't think I mean, not to give it away, but I mean, well, that's kind of known historically shit. what happens basically. So I thought that was really good. So because they're I mean, their their plan basically was to. To get what they wanted without having to accomplish that, right? Right. They were hoping to not have to fire a shot. And once they got there, they kind of realized that... They're to in ex- too deep. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, they were kind of like the token... Too deep the nice Sum 41 reference. Why are you looking like you're masturbating? What is happening over there? That's kind of appropriate for Sum 41. You weren't supposed to catch up. I was going to go with Phil Collins and 2D. <laughs> theme song from Neil Jordan's Mona Lisa, beautiful film. Anyway, I don't know what do you have against my seed, Tucson? I don't have anything against your seed or Sum 41. Come 41. I don't know anything about Come 41. Um, maybe That's going to be kept for later. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. That's going in the tear insane. I don't know anything I don't about know. Come. I am not a crook. Uh, uh, what's my age? He now? does that to himself. He does this to himself. Yeah. Um, so well, I did yeah. it to myself. Uh, something that's I don't I want to say it's debated, but mm-hmm. since we're talking about these kind of films, sure. what are your feelings on the film Argo? Uh, also known as Argo, fuck yourself, if you will. There you yeah. go. Right? I, I'm, I mean, so Argo, know. fuck Argo, yourself. They, they, Give they, me another fucking Oscar. They, they just they go through the space, all through the space, and the space, and the it's, it's Argo, fuck yourself. All right, just that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> no, I love Alan Arkin. Anyway, um, no, I really liked it. Um, I I thought it didn't really need the part at the end, like the famous part where Ben Affleck. I mean, he was very upfront about it, even when they were doing the press at the beginning of the movie, when they first came out. He's like, yeah, we totally tacked on this big thing where they're chasing us in the airport at the end. And that wasn't, like, probably needed. But I thought it was a very um, tense movie. And I, I liked 
kind of seen the role of Canadian ambassadors as heroes. That's something you don't see too often. Those kind of nice... Played really well by Victor Garber. Exactly, who I love, Victor Garber. I'm a Victor Garber fan, I would go as far to say. That's the person not... across from me was also in that camp. So. Really? Victor Garber? Yeah. Yeah? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, love man, him. I'm a I'm a fan of Canadian cinema, and Victor Garber is is a is a major star in that constellation of cinema. Yes. So. Um, one thing I'll say, first of all, quick question: mm-hmm. Paul, who here has seen Argo since it came out? I've, I've never I've seen it. Only seen it in the theater. Oh, I've although seen I do it in have the it theater, on, and that's it. I've never I, seen it. I have it on DVD. I got it for Christmas, and I need to watch it so because have, it's pretty deluxe. Actually. So you have rewatched it since? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Just nice. Cool. Still a fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I didn't hate it when I first. I, I definitely don't think much of it as far as like whatever. But it's I'll say not, this: it's not the worst Oscar winner of this millennium. Oh, uh, certainly not. No. But um, I will say that the casting of the the people, you know, that they mm-hmm. have to smuggle or whatever, um, was actually pretty nicely nonchalant. Uh, it would mm-hmm. have been pretty easy to fill them with like even like I know like Scoot McNary, but mm-hmm. even then he wasn't really anybody. So, no, no, not at all. Um, it's Scoot McNary. You had the guy from Days and Confused. Yeah, Rory Cochran. Rory Cochran. Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even that. realize it was him until the end. I'm like, who is that guy? Also, Nick, uh, actually nobody knew he was in the film Hostels from last year. And then I pointed out, you're like, yes. oh, God. He was really Yeah, you, when you said that, that, I was like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Who are you talking about? That was weird. And he, then he, uh, uh, I thought he had a pretty credible Irish accent in that movie because I actually just saw that recently. And I'm like, you know, he's yeah. kind of the most interesting part. From I, I agree with that. Yeah. He's actually a pretty good actor, actually. Yes. Yeah. And then um, what's her name? Uh, the girl who directed the intervention is uh, Flea oh, Duval. Oh, Duval. Yeah. Duval. Yeah. yeah. She's great, too. Hmm? Forgot. Okay. Highly so maybe the there were slightly more, not high profile, but like no. people I know. But still, that's that's good casting. Yeah. That they, I don't remember that it was them because. Well, I hadn't seen Scoop McNair in anything other than Monsters up to that point, which I love. Yeah. I love no, he, he's come. Uh, Killing Them Softly was probably his big introduction into most. Yeah. F- at least film people's grasp. He's mm-hmm. so good. He is in that good. film. Yeah. Him and Ben Mendelsohn in that film. What a dynamic duo. What? Well, Nick a doesn't really duo. care for Ben Mendelsohn at all. That is actually, true. <laughs> I think he's. I just, uh, of course, I jive. I he jive. he <laughs> he went to the theater to see that god awful um, remake that what what's his name did. God, Ridley Scott did that really bad. Oh, the Moses uh, movie. Yes, yes, with Christian Bale and I went with Joel you. Edgerton. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying. You went to the theater oh, to see oh, that. Oh, like I agreed to go yeah, see God's of Egypt yeah. or something. I would. What's that? I, Gods of Egypt or something? Exodus. Exodus, something. gods and kings or something? Yeah, yeah gods and kings, yeah. Yes, no, because you wanted to see it. Yes. And I only, yeah, you're right. In the yes. sense that I actually, I no, we paid 3D. Yes. Yeah, and no, and I did that. And that's a two-hour and 50-minute film. Only because if Ben Mendelsohn was not in that film, I probably would have told you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. And it wasn't worth it, but I also don't regret my decisions when it comes to Ben Mendelsohn. Wow. Yeah, I just remember in the uh, press for that film, uh, Christian Bale said something about, well, Moses was basically a terrorist. He was like, a, <laughs> and like Sean Hannity's head like it imploded and then it came through the dimension, another dimension and it exploded again. And then, and then it landed just, in Fox News. Yes. Okay, um, Which is, can yeah, stay there. Safely, yeah. Yeah. I even, I've even <laughs> seen a movie that not a lot of people know Ben Mendelsohn is in, which I find hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, which is that horrible movie, Adore, with Naomi Watts. I've always wanted to see that. It's pretty great, actually. I mean, in the way you think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because, That's why I wanted to see yeah. it. It's, it's the movie about the two women, Robin Wright. Uh, Robin Wright. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and Naomi Watts play these childhood friends who grow up uh, to be, you know, 
who they are now presently. And they and have they sex have, with each other's sons? Yes. And they, know they about both it? have a son oh, who's wow. like, you know, super hot babe at like 20 something. But they years know old. about it, right? That's the, well, that's I mean, the it kicker, starts right? off like, oh, we shouldn't do this. No. And then it's like they wink at each other like, did you? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Like, oh, wasn't well, this like the greatest outcome ever? Wah, like, wah, wah. one of the and sons Ben Mendelsohn plays uh, one of their ex husbands, oh, okay. who's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn." Like he, like he can talk. Okay. Well, it's an Australian movie, so I feel like he just did somebody a favor. Clearly, I thought didn't one of the sons uh, wasn't it played? It was either the guy from Animal House or Animal the... House. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, Animal Kingdom? Animal Kingdom. <laughs> well, like, definitely. Well, yeah, one of the that's... senior citizens from Animal House or the dead people from Animal House? Tom Hulse. Yeah. He's now in his hey. 90s. No, I'm kidding. Hey, come he on. He had, he, had a, he had a big role in Amadeus, all right? He did. He was, did. He was great. I mean, I love that movie. Uh, no, it was either the guy from Animal Kingdom or the guy who played the main role in... Uh, oh, fuck. I'm having a tough time today. This oh, is bad. Fuck. Yeah. The, I'm not even going to try. Everybody wants some. Is the film oh, I'm thinking of? Oh, um, oh, yeah. Not him. The, okay. I, I don't know about the Animal Kingdom thing, but I don't think it's the main guy okay. from. Okay. Maybe it was because maybe I didn't know who he was at the time. Well, do you mean the guy that gets like who was also halfway through the movie they they realize he's actually been he's too it's old. not it is James Frenchville from oh. Animal Kingdom. Okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah, got it. And the other guy is played by Xavier Samuel. Uh, who was in Love and Friendship? So. Ah, I just got really that. yeah just got ah. that out of the library today. It's great because movie. You've talked so much about it. On it's that. good. It's a good film. You guys said it was really good, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was just listening to that today. I'm like, all right, tag with it. You know, <laughs> no, and, actually, I really want to watch this now. So. Adora, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, uh, Naomi Watts, and I only assume that later on the the child it turns out that he's been dead the whole time, and that she's been just actually plotting to murder her neighbor. Who's played by, the, a played by Hank from uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad, and <laughs> and I'm assuming so. I yes. mean, this is just it's a shared universe. I, I'm spitballing all this, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's all absolutely 100 percent correct. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're pretty much reciting the plot line from the Book of Henry right now. So yes. that's great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but Naomi Watts, that but that's okay. The you know, creepiest right. thing about Adora, though, I will say, is that it's not fun bad in the sense that it's like crazy line whatever it's fun bad because the movie knows how to do a melodrama it's just so weird that these actors who are actually mm-hmm. okay right. decided to throw their caliber behind something that is such a ludicrous premise speaking of real actors yes. in fake movies yes mm-hmm. did you ever watch the that michael movie. shannon christmas movie that came out last no, year but I want to. we really should yeah, we should what's that one Turn oh it was potter like town a... <laughs> it's about Michael really? Shannon plays a dude who's in this, you know, Twin Peaks esque small town, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have me so far. Yeah, he. <laughs> oh no! No, it's not. I don't think you're I'm, interested. I like Michael Shannon. That's just my go-to, you know, okay. small town, whatever. Oh, I quirky. See. But sure. uh, it's more of a northern exposure type town. Okay, there you go. not as hip. But uh, okay. No, it's no, still yeah. there. Yeah. So anyway, he basically is. Uh, all depressed and whatnot one day and then he tells people he saw Bigfoot because he kind of did not actual Bigfoot but he saw a bear suit basically he saw a furry no yeah he saw a furry out in the woods he saw Nicolas Cage from the Wicker Man remake (laughs) 
No, I think he saw Ron Perlman. Who Ron Perlman? That's good. And his wife review someday. What the original? We should no. We should do a double episode Uh, on the original. I would be for that because I like them both. Actually, that's an an October episode. I've actually never. I like them both in the sense that I think the original is a masterpiece. Yeah, it is. And I genuinely think this the the remake, while not a good film, is not as bad as everybody says it is because I think it is slightly surreal in its. I I resent the way that the remake has <laughs> eclipsed like, that I of. Personally, am well, I, I personally resent. I personally resent that, like how the remake has basically eclipsed the original. Yes. Surely on like the the on on, on mm-hmm. you know, for the magnitude of it being a meme, it's basically just a big joke. And I'm just like, but the original Wicker Man is actually a really fucking good movie. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch the one where he yells at bees and shit. Well, here's the thing: you when you bitches, watch fucking bitches, yeah. well, here's the thing: when you watch, um, when you watch the remake. Like, some of Nick Cage's mannerisms are actually not that far removed from what Howie is doing in the original. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense that he's not overacting, because he is. He's mm-hmm. Nick Cage. But, like, when he yelled at a school school room full of children, yeah. like, that's actually what happens in the original movie. Yeah. It's just slightly with the more... There's something about the British sensibility mm-hmm. of it all in the uh, original movie that works in that weird prisoner-esque... Yeah, that kind know, of blowsy mm-hmm. kind of... Yeah, this, you, you know, know T and Crump is like, yes. no, yeah. T and yeah. Crump is left for the there's, day. You're there's just this here clash between, between conservative uh, Christianity <laughs> and paganism in that film that I really mm-hmm. liked. And yeah. I'm just like, well, can you really make an argument for why your ritual are more valid than mine. I was like, well, we're not murdering people. It's like, aren't you though? And the original does not have a hallucination in which a semi truck is on top of a boat. So, wow. yeah, that's, that's fucking so, weird. Well, wait, wait, oh, I can only assume, also. I, I wonder. Well, I just I wonder what Edward Woodward would say, and I assume it would be Jesus Christ. Oh, oh God, Jesus, no. Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember what he says. I heard he had to improvise Christ, half no. of that because they were holding up like cue cards for him. And he was in... No, I'm serious. No, this is true. Oh, yeah, did, yeah. Did you I ever see you. that in the extras? They, they talk about how... When you're saying when he's in the actual... When he's actually oh, okay. in it, he's like, he's saying all this stuff and it sounds very religious and mm-hmm. biblical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, I improvised half of that because I couldn't read the damn cue <laughs> cards because of the smoke coming up. And I'm like, wow, that's an honest man. They yeah. thought there was going to be a sequel to that second Wicker Man movie. Yeah. Because they had that weird... Random scene with James Franco. Wicker Man. Yeah, when it's like the... Uh, oh. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. That's mm. so creepy. <laughs> oh, I, I, st- I haven't seen the remake. I, I probably should now. It's not, you I mean, should. It's, with the beer. It, it, Fair enough. Yeah, maybe multiples. <clears throat> I, that's generally it, how, I, how I jam. Yeah. That, 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 that's the way to go. Because it, it, is, it is a very, very horrible film. A fun story about that. Mm-hmm. An ex-girlfriend I was dating at the time. So this was, I mean, it was when Wicker Man, the Nick Cage version, was in the theater. So this is 27, sure. maybe? Yeah, that 2006? Right. It was quite a while. Yeah. We like went it. to go see a movie, and I got to pick the movie. So I decided <laughs> to pick the movie Beer Fest. Oh. And Beer Fest uh, was not going over well with the girlfriend. Um, she was that, not feeling it. and I That's how did... you knew it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and I didn't love the first 30 minutes either. So she's like, let's just go watch something else. She's like, I kind of want to see that Wicker Man movie. It looks scary. I'm like, okay. So we walked out of Beer Fest to go into Wicker Man. And I'm just like, holy shit. Two for two. <laughs> yeah, this is... Well, three for three if you count her. Yeah, no, for real though. Oh my god, for real though. Actually, no, wow. that was that was that's that's a that's a. Ugh. No, but Wicker Man is seriously just 
it absolutely horrible movie. So <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I um oh uh let's see what else. Oh um oh you know what? I listened to you guys' midnight special episode recently. I don't know. And I thought, <laughs> damn, I need to buy and watch that again. Really damn, you really it. need to watch the opening title sequence of that film Indeed. and then just like stop because that's pretty uh, much the peak. I, like I, I know you do, and and I, I'm pretty much eye to eye on you yeah. on this. I mean I don't look at these fights. I already had a pretty Thank you. I mean, I only heard your guys' like episode on that like maybe two months ago so i mean i had already seen it and, and made some pretty strong feelings that's about right it. you know anyway but yeah was that like, third act is awful but that's all right <sighs> i didn't mind it let's oh, and that's all right you know that's okay but i realized one thing you guys were talking about um the uh in your episode you talked about well, what's what the hell is the title about and I realized there is actually a possible meaning. It's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a walk, <laughs> you know. But basically, uh, Midnight Special is an old folk song, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. it's about a train. It's like, let the Midnight Special shine its light on me. And it, it's sort of like a spiritual slash story about being basically poor and abused by the local police. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you can't go to this town or that so it's town. made up. Yeah, it's totally fictional and not based on, no, I'm kidding. It's, no. Anyway. And um, anyway, but it's, it's a great song. And Creedence Clearwater Revival did a cover of it um, that's the most famous version I know of. And theirs is featured in the opening of Twilight Zone, the movies, the pre credit sequence. Oh, uh, yeah, with Albert Brooks. Albert and, Brooks uh, and Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. And there's a part where Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd <laughs> are driving down the road and wait yes. for it, right? Yep. Shuts off the lights on the, headph- on the headlights. And I thought, son of a gun, it's like the beginning. That's, yeah. And I saw the uh, special features for it, and Jeff Nichols was like, yeah, I really wanted to make a film that was from, like, the mid-'80s era, you know, that kind of, that sort of sense of wonder, that sort of, you know, and I thought, son of a gun, he's got to be channeling that own thing at the beginning. So that's my theory. I, I think that's actually probably not accidental now that you say that. I, I mean, it didn't occur to me... When I saw the film, I just thought, oh, they named it after that song or whatever. Right, 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 right. But when I listened to the episode a couple months ago, I thought, I wonder about that. And so I watched it again, and I thought, yeah, son of a guy. By the way, it. Twilight Zone, the movie, mm-hmm. anthology movie, three stories mm-hmm. with the prologue that we're talking about at the beginning. Yes. It's not as bad as everybody says it is, but... No, I like a lot of it. I will say this. It's kind of funny that, for me at least, the best part of that movie is that opening. <laughs> that <laughs> opening is so unexpected. It's so, so beautiful. Anyway. You know? No, I'm, and I love Albert Brooks, and, you know... As do I. I talked so. about him on the last podcast that did we you? did. I did, yeah. yeah. I said I had been watching all of his films. Really? Yeah. His later work... We talked about how his later work is underrated. Yeah, his latest, uh, his later acting work. Yeah. Yes. It's like mm. Drive yep. and A Most Violent oh, yeah. Year. Yep, yep, yep. We have a poster for A Most Violent Year. That's a I've very been... random poster. Sure do. By it all night. I could, a certain part of it. I don't know why. No, he anyway. just oh, really. Text. Yeah, yeah no, text, I was right, going to say. That, that violet text, he just that sees sort of lavender. Oscar Isaac's amazing hair and is just right. completely taken aback. Totally. I That's know you guys thing. are joking about it, but I actually do really like that font. Oh, I love it. And the cropping <laughs> no. is pretty good. So Honestly, I love the movie. I, I'm a, I'm it's, a fan. It's of, a very good film. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of all of his movies, actually. Yeah. He hasn't made one in a long This is his last film, right? Yeah, I think so. He made this and. All is lost and margin call. Margin call, yeah. Yeah. margin call is good. It was. Oh no, we. <laughs> was that? Wasn't that the Talking episode the where? Dog? I... No, it... well there was that, but then wasn't that the episode where I just kept saying the housing market as like a yeah as a the dog is the housing market. Yeah. And oh, right. Everything was. Yes. The... Yeah. Oh no, we we lost. We can't find the housing market. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We have to bury the housing market. Funny <sighs> jokes. 
from this guy right here. Sure. So keep telling yourself that. See, the other thing I saw was I. Oh, you know, it was also based on an episode. I don't remember which one, but Toussaint mentioned he had seen Constantine, uh, not the TV show, but the film. Oh, the Keanu and, Reeves. Yeah, yeah, I actually really like it, despite the fact that Keanu Reeves isn't blonde and he's not British. And yeah. All that, you know. But honestly, I think it's a really good cast and um and again i gotta echo what you said about peter stormare's as the devil oh yeah he's that the best hands down the best yep. satan oh yeah absolutely because he comes out and he's like it's all better than south park yeah better than south of that yeah no yeah. better than all that uh and it's like because he comes out and it's like everything Sorry. he says is like the most like stupid yeah just euphemistic boilerplate crap mm-hmm. he's like he's like so, you know, Keanu's like, so your son, and he's like, well, one does what one cat. And he's like, oh, well, he's in the next room. He's like, well, boys will be boys. And yeah. He's, it's... Like, he's in the other room with, well, and he's like, huh, no accounting. For... It's all just like the most boilerplate, stupid, non-committal crap. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. I just love it. But I still it's, love it. Yeah. I lo- no, I love it for that. I think he, like Satan in real life. If you were to believe in right, the yeah. idea of such an entity, which I don't, but if you did, he, he would be like... He'd be not, hokey as shit. He'd be hokey and yeah. stupid. He wouldn't give a shit what he was... He'd be talking... He's he Satan. Would, he doesn't have to try. No, it's no, like exactly. He'd be, like, he'd be just sitting there going, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you sound like Albert Brooks in Broadcast News yeah. when he's yelling right. at Howie Hunter's character right. and he's trying to get uh, her to hate William Hurt's character. It's also he's really... A very big. nice guy. <laughs> And it's really interesting how that yeah, film and has like, I'm being like semi-serious here. a precursor to the whole like post credit scene. Like I didn't know oh, that yeah. that a post credit scene uh, existed yeah. for that, and mm-hmm. it was actually really interesting. I didn't know until most recently yeah. when I watched it again. But yeah, uh, yeah but I don't know. We're really finding out about a lot of post credit scenes here today, and that's great. You that know what? There's more than we think, and less than you hope. Unfortunately. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. really good, actually. Alex, what have you been watching? Yes. So I have a couple things I wanted to mention on this little uh, week in review we're doing here. Mm-hmm. The first being uh, a James Bond film I rewatched last week. Nice. Which one? <laughs> Believe it or not, I was going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> this is the second <laughs> film from the Pierce Brosnan era, which is oh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yes. And Great Cheryl Crow theme song, in my opinion. Yeah. Ooh, that's I said opinion. the same thing Thank when you. he brought it up. I actually think that's my favorite part. I, well, one of okay. my favorite parts of the film. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Uh, I agree with you. Funny story about that. Uh, <laughs> when my wife and I turned it on, she thought the uh, theme song was being sung by Gwen Stefani, mm. which actually does kind of sound like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I can see that. And then when the title comes up saying it's Cheryl Crow, I said, oh, no, it's actually Cheryl Crow. And she's like, oh, that's why I didn't like it. I'm like, Okay, I, I'm 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 good with that. Um, Does she like uh, just interrupt for a second? Does she like Gwen Stefani? No, no. Oh, okay. No, so but 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 she matter? doesn't care for Cheryl Crow in the slightest. Yeah. So, at any rate, but all she wants to do is have some fun. I know. Down the Santa Monica Boulevard thing. Sure. I can't remember all the lyrics. Sorry. You know, and I got a feeling a thing. she's not the only one either. Mm-hmm. She just wants to soak up the sun, man, and she wants to tell everyone. <laughs> What, Tucson? Like Steve McQueen. What? This is going to be the whole episode, apparently. Just show yes. Great. Really good podcast. You know, if guys. it makes her happy. Mm. So, at any rate, uh, we watched Tomorrow Never Dies, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen this probably in over a decade. And I am, for the most part, a pretty big fan of the Pierce Brosnan Bond era. 
And this one was just as wonderful as I remembered. Uh, just great action here. Really uh, middle-of-the-road acting by Pierce Brosnan, which works really well for a Bond film. And uh, a wonderful, wonderful villain played by Jonathan Price, uh, who is uh, in the... Probably worst time for the Bond series to try to do anything involving technology right before the internet became a big thing. <laughs> so the whole yes, premise of this sure. being that he's got this satellite thing that's going to take over the news market. And it just <laughs> it just it's just right. wonderful watching back on it because it makes this feel like a Sean Connery or another early Bond film because totally. the 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 whole plot is so ridiculous because now we have the internet. So he's like, I'm going to send out this news message. <laughs> it's like, all right. It will reach hundreds of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. It's really, no, okay. it's, it's, I built a faster telegram. <laughs> no, but, but just, just the idea that Fucking he's, idiot. he's going to control the news because he's going to be the single source of people's media diet um, is pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and also too, he just plays, is a great character and there are a lot of other people who who are in this film who aren't really notable actors uh but that do a great job and again as i mentioned pierce brosnan is here actually kind of phoning it in but Mm. that's totally fine because it works in a bond film uh and i will say uh there are two parts of this film that are just amazing one of which is there's a fantastic car chase scene through a parking garage uh, and I usually don't love car chase scenes because they usually get pretty boring really quick for me. Mm. But this one was fan-fucking-tastic because uh, this really pays off somebody who has a rocket launcher. And uh, Bond is having a shootout with people who are in front of him and behind him while he's driving through this parking garage while driving on this remote control that also is from the late 90s. Yes, I, I was going to ask you if this was the one where he's, he's actually... Yes! He's the, okay, I like yes. that. Yeah. So he's in the backseat laying down, driving around on this really just ridiculous joystick. Um, and actually, I think it's more of like a pad. At any rate... So uh, people shoot out the windshield and also the back window. So, you know, glass gets everywhere and the car is just getting completely destroyed. But then when when the person comes up with a rocket launcher, they shoot at his car and it goes straight through the windows and into the car behind them, which is fucking brilliant. Nice. So uh, that was that was awesome. And uh, this film, which just hits its finale line out of the fucking park uh, as... uh, Bond throws Jonathan Price into the torpedo that has a bunch of saws on it for whatever reason. Um, and he says, if it bleeds, it leads, as he throws him into this. Uh, and that was just fucking perfect. So, um, yeah, this is just a really wonderful James Bond film that I really enjoyed. And I would recommend to really anybody, especially anyone who likes the series. And if they haven't seen this one, they, they should. Is is that the one with um, I cannot think of her name, but she's a um, uh, she, essentially a martial artist star. Um, maybe I don't that, think so. Maybe that was the next one. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Carla, you know, Robert are, or something. Are you thinking of uh, the scene where she's got her legs around him? And the... no, no, no. I, I remember that too. But okay. Yeah, no, that's. I was thinking of a. No, never mind. Okay. Never mind. Very good. The other film I will bring up is. <laughs> The interesting film with Mel Gibson called The Patriot, which uh, revolves yeah. around revolves around the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. uh, and based on true events. Sure. 
No, it's not. I was no? joking. No, I didn't think so. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so the interesting thing about this film, oh, Heath Ledger did die. <laughs> wow! Nice. See, I was well going to be like, I was going to go with like, oh well, there was a guy named Lafayette, and he did actually, you know, but no, no, you no. had to go with Heath Ledger. That's fine. Uh, so, fuck, man. Wonderfully enough, <laughs> ice cold. Um, he, this guy. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Uh, who got paid, <laughs> funny, funny thing about tell that guy. Tell me about this guy. Yeah. Uh, he got paid $25 million for this film in the 90s yeah. uh, as he was just completely skating off of Braveheart uh, at that point. And somebody paid $25 million for Mel Gibson. And he starts out this film being this great war hero in the South who has black people working at his place, but they're not slaves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Totally it's called forgot. capitalism, Alec. You have a problem with it? Yeah, I do. Take it up with our commander in chief. No, they wow. they they work here, but they get paid a fair wage. Mm. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that's that's the white savory for you right there. Just, if you're going to do revisionist history, you might as well just go all in. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, so this film, I actually found to be not great, but also not bad either. Like. If you want to watch like an interesting war movie that you know is not necessarily real, like this is fine. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing terrible about this other than its very lengthy runtime of two hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. But there is some really good battle scenes, especially for the time that we're in, because we have the use of actual... Revolutionary War weapons mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of battle they would have in that time being, which I think is what the filmmakers really wanted to show here. Unfortunately, they got sidetracked by this ridiculous story that happens throughout as there are um, there are women who get married to the sons and then they get burned alive in a church. And uh, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of... And then there's this, this really just uh, ridiculously... Like almost snidely whiplash villain uh, in the film oh, that yeah. is big time. Uh, that is played by the guy uh, who plays. Well, um, he is a Brit. Yeah, he is. Uh, that, that is true. Uh, the waskly Brit. Uh, he's played by the guy who plays Draco Malfoy's father in the Harry Potter movie. Oh, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, what do you mean, fuck him? <laughs> he's actually a very good actor. Yeah, I mean the bat. I mean the guy. Oh, uh, he's uh, getting. But enough. he's right now the most recent Star Trek captain. Oh, uh, Jason Isaacs. Uh, yes. Yeah. So he was on the uh, OA as well, which I really like. Uh, yeah. so, Anyways, really and he's also really cool. And I don't mean that as like some weird comment. I mean like he uh, his Twitter gets retweeted a lot. Yeah, he's because very funny. he's extremely uh, witty and yet common sense filled and uh, very liberal. And yeah, very. Good. He's giving a very horrible performance here, <laughs> uh, and I I don't think that's necessarily his acting skills. No, I think I he was cast in a role yeah. which there was no like, winning. You don't, you don't get paid unless you do this. <laughs> well, the the British are pretty much can, like the worst savages on earth in that film. I mean, oh, they absolutely they, they are. are. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, they are. Like, but also, that kind of shows how game he is. Like. <laughs> True. I mean, he's British, and yet he'll... Like, yet he never actually does any of the action, and that's the important thing. 
because there are Americans who mm. join the Redcoats because mm -hmm. they believe that they are correct, and he has them <laughs> burn the churches and rape the women. So you know what? But he does kill Heath Ledger with that sword, I believe. Yeah. That he does, and he also kills the other son, and that's yeah, what starts a, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, he kills two sons, and yeah. uh, and oh, I man. believe, and the and the wife, two and sons. Yeah. I think yes. also Renee Alber. Oh yeah, yeah. How do you, I don't remember. How about Yeah, Sure, he's like the preacher in that. Yeah, where at the end he like throws his musket up as he's dying through slow motion. Sure. Yeah, I've seen the film a couple times actually when I was younger. No, I watched it all the time when I was young, and especially because that was my first beheading I'd ever seen. On a movie, that was a hell of a thing. Actually, everybody right remembers their first. It's, it's, well, well, well. <laughs> you joke, but I genuinely that was a huge thing. Okay, yeah. my sure. first. No, no, I can tell you my first three. My first was, I believe, um, the Lord of the Rings, yeah. the Fellowship of the Ring. I believe you see one of them do that yeah. and chop yes. off somebody's head, even yes. if it's like brief. Second was the cannonball in uh, the Patriot yeah. when the right. cannonball flies. And the third. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for this one? Was in Jan Dubon's remake of The Haunting, where Owen Wilson stands, oh my God, yeah, I remember that. stands in yes. the big chimney, yeah. and the flu comes out mm. and just takes his head off. Yeah, that was a stupid movie, and dude. That was, I, I that was like my okay. So here's so weird. I don't like horror movies. Like I didn't, you know, whatever. And that that was like my favorite movie when I was like twelve. So <laughs> clearly, I've been lying to myself. Yeah. The, but, so the funny thing about the Patriot, also, though, I'm the, straight. The, the <laughs> The funny thing about The Patriot is that it's directed by Roland Emmerich, and this mm -hmm. does not fit uh, into his career. No, it totally does. Does it? Yeah, he put a Sid Meier's Civilization look on it, but it's it's this... Wow. No, I'm just saying. I don't know what that means, but it kind of works, though. So. Does it? Yeah, I mean, it's a goofy, like, oh, this is the conflict that's happening right now. No, but, but the you, Earthling, in the year 2014 are going to help me out with this. Are you imitating Gandhi? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. He's, he, I feel like he's kind of doing the transatlantic accent. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's no, but, no, but, but this, this is sandwished is, in between the Matthew Broderick Godzilla and the Day After Tomorrow. But like, it's a, it just another, yeah, it's just another form. It's just historical in this case. It doesn't it's have a, a lot of another, catastrophe, though. I mean, but it does. That's war is catastrophe, well, Dan. Yeah, but it's not like there's not like glaciers and freaking, There is nothing you know. more natural of a disaster <laughs> than men <laughs> shooting other men. Seriously, laces well, out, Dan. Holy fuck. All right. Laces out, Dan. <laughs> I have a friend who says it to me. Like, uh, this is the worst case of hemorrhoids I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, I didn't get that when I was a kid. When he turns her around, I'm like, why is her underwear just filled with that? What are we talking uh, about? Uh, Ace Ventura. Uh, Ace Ventura. Oh, the I first Ace Ventura. That. Oh, my God. What's I mean, I'm sure I maybe watched parts of it. Oh, it's, that was not it's, a it's worth staple. Literally, it's worth he talks to Tone Luck with his ass. I mean, come on, yeah. man. I, I, know I would like to ask you a question. I know that that's a thing that happens in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and Tone Luck's like, you know. I could get killed telling you this. <laughs> and then Pacino's like, you could get killed walking your dark. And then... Oh, we're, 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 on, we're, on, we're on heat, heat now. Heat, yeah. I'm just, oh, you know, that's we, the we, only we, other Tone Luke movie that, I can think of. Don't true. waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all you got. Yeah. Give me all you got. Yeah. That, that's a good, that's that's a good conversation because you've got Tone Luke who's like, yeah, man, you know that. And then you got Pacino. She's got a great ass. Don't touch my fucking television. <laughs> yeah. Man, they just let him oh, go all in on that movie and it works. Yeah. There's yeah. that part where he's like... Sure did. I, I love that movie, too, by the way. And I love the episode about heat. And, uh, yeah, but I always think about that part where he comes home and he's like, there's, like, dishes. And he's like, 
<laughs> he won't even like not even words. That's him in real life. It's got to be. Uh, I think that was the last time he. Also, was the way he holds a that chicken was... wing. Oh, it's so good in heat. Yeah, when he goes home and the chicken's still cold, and he's just like, oh yeah, oh, he yeah. looks at it <laughs> like it is the fallen dick of one of his comrades that <laughs> he doesn't know how it got into his house. Oh yeah, but because he's a cop, he's not gonna you know mm. let the wife know that this bothers him, <laughs> and he stares at it. It is just. It's a beautiful piece of acting. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he actually wasn't... He was actually pretty good. Actually, there's a lot of very not great actors in that movie, and they all give pretty decent performances. Because, like, he's there, Phil Kilmer, Tom Sizemore. But they're the, all really good. The in that dude yeah. who yeah. plays the dude from the beginning that they kill is really bad. Mm. You know, the guy with the long hair, who's oh, okay. the new guy on the job. Yeah. No, I feel the, like not, not Danny Trejo. No. No, 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 the Nazi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like just the guy who's like talking yeah. to him the whole time. And yeah, he's what's up, Slip? Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah, you see that anyway. shit? And there he is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's Tom Sizemore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can't fucking hear you. They're bleeding yeah. out of their ears. <laughs> Xander yeah. Berkeley, though, as uh, the guy that uh, Diane Venora brings home. Ooh. Is that her saying? Remember, uh, and he's like Lloyd. You can't. You know. Remember, you're saying you can't watch my TV. You know. It's, not, you know, the, it's funny because you had you had him playing the one man who was brought in, and then you had Hank Azaria on the other end of that. So that's something. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And then also too. Uh, God, is that Henry Rollins and William Fitchner? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oof. I remember mm-hmm. I saw uh, Henry Rollins <laughs> like about a year after, about a, six months after he did that movie, and it hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And he he used to do these stand up things where he would just walk around and just talk for like you know like an hour and a half mm-hmm. instead of doing a con- and which I infinitely prefer to his music actually. But anyway, <laughs> well, it's because his music is very bad. It, it it's not great. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's hit or miss. I'll say that. I guess. I guess. There's, I mean, I, I should leave some leave a crack in the door sure. for that. But anyway, uh, but yeah, and he would talk about like how great it was to get his ass kicked by Al Pacino, like how awesome. It, like he's like you know knocking his head into the into the, yeah. the slide. Glass door. It, it's <laughs> probably know? a little bit of a downer when you're getting your ass beaten by one of the munchkins from the Wizard of Oz, but that's <laughs> all know, right. I think he thought it was just such like an honor. He's like, damn, Al Pacino. Because yeah. at the time, you know, that was like... Yeah, know, no, there's this little man just beating the shit out of me, so <laughs> that's all right. Uh, oh, yeah. So, the film we're going to be talking about today... Yes. Did you did you uh, did you were you able to land on the Patriot? I mean, I'm, I'm just no. It's okay. it's it's a it's. I think it's a watchable film. I it's agree. a watchable film. Like uh, Nick will probably say that this is a vastly superior film, and it very well might be. I've actually never actually sat down and watched it, although I own it. But something like Michael Bay's Thirteen Hours, which is a different mm. film, mm-hmm. but. A film by a director who's not that. great, but at the same time makes mm. something that's watchable if you're into that genre. I can see that. I so. uh, I remember at the time I got into a big knockdown with a friend of mine because I, I felt that The Patriot was better than Gladiator, which I always felt was overrated. Mm. And I'm not trying to start anything because usually when I say that, people are like... I don't think there's know. anybody here that's like really behind Gladiator. It's okay. I mean... I, I enjoy uh, it. Yeah, I, think yeah. I, I think I got it built up a lot. And when I finally saw it, I was like, okay. But... You know, for me, it was more like, oh, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't like you know. that movie. Really? Fucking Walking Phoenix. I've never Have you ever it. given a good performance? He has, actually. Walk, walk the Line. And The Master. And Her. And Her. Okay, and, fine. Theodore you know, Twombly and, does not wear a belt. And, you know, Inherent Vice, you may have seen that little film. I don't know if you've seen that one, but I'm not sure if you're interested. I've seen Chinatown. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. 
We were like just talking about this. Oh, I'm um, sure. We yeah, literally it's... spent the entire Chinatown episode talking about Inherent Vice. In so. my opinion, that was time well spent. <laughs> I was, it's an entertaining episode. I do like it. <laughs> God, I love that scene, Chinatown. And he rips the uh, page out and he oh, coughs yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's just wonderful. So this is so weird because I've seen the movie three times now and this is a classic. And yet, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm not saying that that means like it's a bad movie. Like something about Chinatown does not well, let get me, retained let whatsoever. Me, uh, let me set the scene for you. He walks in and he's like, "Oh, God!" And he's like, "Sir, we are not the lending library or something like that." Uh, really snooty. And I kind of like, remember it now. And then he goes over there and he's like, <laughs> "Maybe I blocked it out of my head because I'm a librarian." Oh, and that's kind of painful. Sure. Well, this was not a library. About. Well, you know what? Was a ref- yeah, I see. But well, the and, idea is that he would uh, probably do the same. He probably would. That was bastard. And, and well, the other thing is too is that literally happens. I think almost directly after the scene when Roman Polanski steals mm-hmm. somebody's nose. Mm-hmm. After in real life he stole someone's childhood, so you know that's fine. I got your nose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I um. Uh, another time. Tucson no, is like okay. ready to murder us. Yeah, Tucson's really ready to talk about the movie. I am. Because we're one hour and no, 37 minutes in. Yeah. So. No. You all right there, bud? Yeah. No, I, I, oh, no. This is this how it goes. It's not it's okay. No, this is okay. Isn't it, though? This, this, makes up, this makes up for the like really shitty movies review, like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, when the, mm-hmm. the whole episode is 48 minutes long. At least we talked about something this time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in episodes like that, did we? Honestly, your Moonlight yeah. episode is excellent, and it's it's like under an hour. Yeah. I mean, you guys <sighs> were just very succinct. and I don't know, but it's a really good discussion, I think. So You know what? Yeah. You're just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know what? I, I can't even remember that episode. It's a good one. Well, no. you were drunk. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's got fucking Warren Beatty syndrome going on over here. Oh, la la land. Faye, Faye, you read this. Yeah. Not, not going to give this black film an Oscar. Oh, my God. So what are we talking about today? What are we talking, talking about? about? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. The League of Shadows? That would have been... You with your Bane references here today. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely see? voice. Oh, yeah, what? Love God, me. That movie I've, just is not that great. The um, Dark Knight Rises or yeah. Lee? Oh yeah, yeah. But it is. No, yeah, no, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah, he doesn't do long starring roles. Is yeah. That one signed. Yeah. Was who's assigned by? Uh, Tom Hardy. Supposedly Tom Hardy, but I didn't see him sign it, so it could just be somebody. Yeah. Probably. You know what? Marion. I'm gonna tell trust you. it. <sighs> I'm optimistic. Get a certificate mm-hmm. with it. Oh, then I would. Well, I, I mean, I found that those tend to be. Yeah. You know, for the most part, those are. You got something. I feel like people are so suspicious of it because of the fact that it's like they don't realize how much that they actually do that, like part of their career. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's actually a I mean, thing that they. If you, do. if you look at any photo shoots oh. from any like, they're they're always just autographing right. shit. So, so yeah, it's not like they don't exist. So of yeah. course they're going to be sold anyway. I mean, if if you like find like a signed copy of. Citizen Kane by Orson Welles. By Citizen Kane. Oh, right. It's probably worth Charles Foster Kane a lot more than the Tom Hardy. First name Citizen. <laughs> the correct. It's actually a, a sled. Dark Knight Rises. It's a little slow. All right. So moving on, we've just had a very fun time so far. Cool. Anyways, the film we're talking about today is Army of Shadows, a 1969 uh, French film by director Jean-Pierre Melville. 
Uh, and this is a dramatic war film, uh, which surrounds an account of an underground resistance group uh, in Nazi-occupied France. Is that what IMDb says? Yeah. I am, it's I mean, not bad. I mean, for IMDb. It's about right. Yeah. If 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 uh, if you're a listener of of our of our episodes, which I know you are, Dan, but mm-hmm. we we frequent the IMDb plot lines because they are usually just awful. Oh yeah, and um, there's usually a lot of commentary about it afterwards. Oh like, yeah. Oh my god. That well was deserved too, because oh, some of them are just the worst. Oh, so. I, I totally agree. Yep. So this film uh, stars Lino Ventura mm-hmm. and also Paul. Maurice and Jean-Pierre Cassel, who's actually Vincent Cassel's father, we found out. Yes, I was going to go on. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, the other main character is played by Simone Sunri, probably. Signori. I've never been clear. That sounds right, actually. It might be. I don't know. She plays the character. I've never I know she's a big name, and I just don't know how to say it. Okay. She plays the character of Mathilda, which is probably one of. Probably the most pivotal character in the film, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I did mention uh, once or twice, this is directed by Jean-Pierre Melville, mm-hmm. who's done quite a bit of films uh, that people find wonderful, which uh, this is the first one I had ever seen. Nice. So, uh, Dan, since you suggested this film uh, to us, mm-hmm. why don't you uh, start us off, if you don't mind? Sure, sure. And, and uh, give us your thoughts on Army of Shadows. Sure. Um, uh, obviously one of my favorites, uh, which is why you know I recommended. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of a funny one to start with for Jean Pierre Melville because I, I wonder if you, um, you in particular, Alex, might enjoy uh, some of his other ones first because they're more purely gangster movies. I mean, one could probably say, like Nick and I talked a little about how this is sort of a gangster film because you know they've got hats and trench coats and they're operating. In the shadows, if you will. Hey. And <laughs> if you will. Anyway, but... Um, if only they had Johnny Depp, it would have been fine. Uh, fuck that. Oh, wow. Because he did the... Uh, Whitey Burger. Dark, dark Shadows. No. He did the film version of Dark Shadows. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it now, but yeah. I definitely didn't make that leap. That's but he right. did. Yeah. I really should have gotten that, because I'm the big Dan Curtis like... super fan over here. Oh. Anyway. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, Dark Shadows, really. <laughs> but yes. No, I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. Nick's told me a little about how he felt about it. But um, when I was kind of putting putting together these notes for it, I, I was like, well, I don't know what you guys' initial reaction was. But I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't doubt it. And I wouldn't really blame you if your feeling initially was kind of lukewarm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the first time I saw it, I was really moved by it, especially by the ending. But I was kind of like, I just thought it was really slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I was like, okay. And I, you know, I had seen other films by this director that I really liked. But the more time passed, and it kind of it's kind of gained in reflection. And I think I've seen it five times now, and now it's definitely in my top twenty-five. Like I said, um, you know, it's a lot different than both World War II resistance movies of that time. Like, so you've got, like, um, some movies like The Train or uh, Is Paris Burning or The Heroes of Telemark, which are, like, very, like, slam-bang action flicks. You know what I mean? And um, I even read here that um, I was reading this book about Melville in preparation for this, and um, the author, Jeanette uh, Vincendo, she said that... um, Shadows, Army of Shadows is like the anti is Paris Burning, which was like the movie about 
the French resistance on literally D-Day, the first day of Normandy, okay. where they're basically trying to do a bunch of sabotage and stop Germans from just even getting to the coast so that basically there'll be far less Germans to intercept the Allies when they arrive on D-Day. So This is more showing you actually what happened during the war with people who are living their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's like, um, well, and when you look at it, like in particular, like, I mean... Like, there's actually a lot of really great World War II resistance films that came out, like, in the last even 15 years. Hmm. And um, I've been watching them a lot lately for no particular reason at all. I'm sure there's no topical reason related to current events or anything that would make me want to watch resistance films about anti-fascist groups. But anyway. Um, no, this will this can't. will definitely probably just, you know, people won't be able to pick out what you're talking no, about. No, I don't think so. so. I hope not. Because no. that was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyway, but there's a lot of great ones. There's like, uh, like Flame and Citron, which is set in Norway, I want to say. And there's like Anthropoid, which is set in Czechoslovakia. And uh, Black Book, which is yeah. in the Netherlands, right? Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Awesome. Boy! Awesome movie. Uh, is he working on a film right now, by the way? Yeah, you? it's about a lesbian oh, really? nun. Oh, is it really? Yeah. That's dope. I'm, I'm kind of on board. Me too. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like, that's literally, like, if I was to look it up, it would be like, a film about a lesbian nun. I feel like every time I talk about Paul Verhoeven now, I sound just like the dude who played Tanya Harding's bodyguard and the guy from Black <sighs> Klansman, where, like, guy. you say his name and I'll just be like, <laughs> dude, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, this is, is horrible. We, we, we did it, man. Are you talking about the guy who always has his mouth open? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That fucking guy. Dude, like, you see that tiny area thing knows me? <laughs> I have uh, extensive, <laughs> extensive training in uh, clandestine arts. She's like, but you don't. But I do. <laughs> you don't. But you don't. But we I checked. Do. You don't. I mean, I love the way he looks yeah. up in the last one. He's like, but I do. <laughs> Honestly, that dude—I don't know who that actor is, He's but so I good. love him. In that I don't movie. care that he plays the same thing now every time. I because it's—I it's just want to see him in more stuff. You know, he, if you haven't seen Black Klansman, it's actually a good movie. I've been meaning to, but my but Heidi told my gal Heidi told me if I go without her, like she'll like murder me or something in my sleep. So I'm like, okay, okay. so hell yeah. But I'm like, I agree. Kill. Kill me deadly, baby. It's a good film, and you should see it. And then eventually, when we release our episode uh, that revolves around, although it's a double episode, Mm, uh, where we talk about that and do the right thing. Nice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I just forgot. Because I'm like, what other new movie? But then I'm like, oh, yeah, we did. That's a good double bill. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. uh, Mm. It it was fun to talk about, and it's a good movie. Mm. Um, But the the Adam Driver character in that is a very uh, interesting part of the film, too. Yeah. And also, too, uh, the, I, I guess, not League, because there aren't many females, but the female in... Uh, in Who's not Black Klansman. The African-American woman that I thought she was. Which is, no, I, I was talking about... Which is, I'm racist. Uh, I'm not talking about her, actually. She oh. gives a really good performance. I'm talking about... Uh, talking about the guy's wife? Yes. Oh, the, the, the white person. Yes. I got you. So only white female in that movie. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but anyways, right. uh, she gives a very interesting performance, and uh, we had an interesting conversation about her and also the female's role in the KKK on the episode. So, ah, sure did. Pretty yeah. interesting subject, actually. Sure did. <laughs> That's good. No, yeah, but anyways, it was it was fun to talk about and something you should look forward to in a oh, good film. Definitely looking forward sorry, to it. Sorry to no, completely steal right. your thunder on this. <laughs> no, nah, it don't matter. It's why I wrote everything down. <laughs> you grab the thunder while I get the lightning. <laughs> you like that? Never 
Okay, I'm not going to even. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyway, but there's been a lot of great Resistance movies uh, in the last few years. But all of them are like, there's always like something where they're blowing up a checkpoint or like they're <laughs> assassinating some guy. They're like blowing up a bar that's filled with Nazis. There's something where there's this real, there's at least a feeling like there's a victory. Yeah. And like in, in Army of Shadows, there's like none of that. It's just yeah. their victory. Their big victory is like we've stayed alive a little longer. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. that's their survival. And I th- we tried to rescue a guy. Oh, that didn't work out so well. I know mm. it's so depressing, especially I, because of how, for the time period, like how outlandish that scenario is. Which is not to say unrealistic, right. but like let's dress up in costumes and let you know, like this is such a totally. ocean esque. You know, <laughs> let's put on a ruse. And it's not that the ruse doesn't work, like it's not like they're it's like they're you know caught. Right. It's just like well, no, it's just that's not how it works, and you know, it's yeah, just, it's like he's too to ill going. to be moved. It's like damn. Yep. But uh, you know, I mean, all all the stuff in the movie is based on a, a novel by Joseph Cassell, which um, they just put out a translation in English last year. So I finally like yeah. oh, I'm gonna read that before I go to this episode. Um, and so all that's true stories. I mean, they would change the names and the places in the country where it happened because some of the people – when he wrote the book, some of the people were still active resistance members. So he was trying hmm. to, like, change it enough. But most of them were stories that he said, well, everybody everybody in the resistance knows these stories. So it's not like – I could be vague enough that nobody's going to get, like, killed over me saying this. Uh, but so that actually did happen. There was a, there was something where they did procure like these four Nazi uniforms, and <laughs> yeah. you know the assumption in the book is like, oh, we don't know who he killed, but he killed some Nazis, and we're okay with that, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the somberness, I mean, definitely has to do with um, the the setting of the movie, uh, which I was telling you about, which is like now it's it. It's never specifically said in the movie, but the but according to Melville, when he he said it started on October twentieth, nineteen forty two. That's the beginning, and that's significant to him because it was his twenty first twenty fifth birthday, and it was also according to him the date that American films were officially banned by the French collaborationist, collaborationist government. Uh, so, and that's why they also is that the reference in the movie when they talk about Gone with the Wind, right? And they said, "Well, no, when the war will be over." Because the French will be able to see this, right? Right. Yep. Mel- Melville actually was in uh, London, yeah. and when he as a, when he was younger, and he said that even he was yep. walking out of there, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And I'm like, "Well, it's a shame it's gone with the wind because it's not exactly the most <laughs> progressively minded freaking." Yeah, movie. I'm just saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, but so anyway, so it takes place in like late '42 through early '43, and that's significant because basically. Well, okay, okay, you know what, let me just give you the quick timeline of the whole thing. So, okay, England-France declare war on Germany September 1938. And we'll just skip ahead a couple years. France is overrun by the Nazis and surrenders in... Sorry, the who? The, <laughs> the who, yes. Pete Townsend, <laughs> Roger Daltrey, John hey. Wessel, and Keith Moon Pete Townsend are, over, are overrun by the Nazis. Right, okay, were, yes. Well, there were only four of them, but... Pete Townsend technically war. did commit some crimes, let's just be honest. Uh, Hmm. Wait, was it him or was it somebody else? Oh, well, that was probably more Keith Moon. Okay. Didn't Moon... one of the who oh, got caught with kitty porn? Daltrey. Yeah, okay. Daltrey. Who... I feel anyway. like I'm mm-hmm. I'm an inception and I'm a couple of like dream levels into this joke. Right. And I'm like, like, I don't know. I'm not grasping that. So like, there's a real thing here. I don't know them. where the <laughs> fuck <laughs> I, I am. I it as someone who listens to the who. but No, I like the who. And, and Daltrey also was like, yeah, he was always a little skeezy, in my opinion. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, not a surprise. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, okay. So France surrenders to the Nazis in uh, June 1940. Mm-hmm. So at the time, the 
people who surrendered to them were uh, led by this guy, Marshal Patton. And he was like this big time World War One hero. So he was kind of the guy with the most clout and credibility at the time. So he surrendered and he created what was called the Vichy government, which was basically a collaborationist government with the Nazis, right? So the French were technically in charge of the government, but there were there were Germans. They were there. a puppet government. They were a puppet government, exactly. They were they were uh, there were Gestapo and SS all over the place, and they were really running the show. So and also you got to also understand that um, there were actually French fascists who, prior to the war, had been trying to create a political party and agitate. So, like, for them, it was like, yay, we went from being this kind of marginal party with no followers to suddenly we're, like, in charge. The but are they really in charge? Yeah. Not really. Not in charge, but they're looked at. Well, they yeah. were... You know what I mean? They like, had, they, they were needed, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, well, like, uh, like okay, so, like, there's this group, um, the French Popular Party, the PPF, uh, and they were fascist, hugely anti-Semitic, and they were led by a guy named... Uh, a shame. I know, because other than that, I was, like, I was behind them on yeah. their fiscal responsibility. No. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's an economic anxiety. It's just a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, like heartburn. I don't know why yeah. it makes me hate other races, it's but just it does. The, I feel like current events are really getting brought into this. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Just, what are you talking about? No, it's okay. No, no. 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 no we have stock market. It's great, Alex. No, it's great. And you know, we haven't we haven't gotten to Jews yet. Like, I mean, they've they've been. It, it's been festering. But, but as, as Chris Rock once said, that train is never late. You know, yeah. he's like, oh, the Jews and the blacks, any day now, man. He's, <laughs> oh, God. He's, no, he said that like way back. He was like, he's like, at first it's like, all right, America. And we're like, yeah. And then it's like, all right, and, and fuck the terrorists. And he's like, all right, yeah, all right. And then he's like, fuck the Arabs. And he's like, whoa, hold, 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 hold it now. Pretty soon it's going to be the blacks and the Jews. The train's never late. He's like, I'm not afraid of Al-Qaeda. I'm afraid of Al-Kraka. Oh. <laughs> Which is just so damn true. But anyway, yeah. so, anyway so there are these French, uh, French popular party, the, the PPF, uh, Jacques Doriot was in charge. And they basically formed a couple police units. And it's, I mean, you know, whenever you got secret police, it's usually a bad sign just in anything. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I think we can all, you know. But there was like the, something called the Service uh, d'Ordre Légionnaire, which was like a fascist paramilitary volunteer political police force. Take from that what you will. And then there was something called the Milice, which was like the secret police, which were like the French Gestapo, which were like the guys who would hunt down uh, these guys. So, so you know, oh, you, the IC. All right, great. Uh, well, yeah, pretty much. Cool. I mean, I don't want to bring up current events. Well, is that <laughs> in, in the movie? Is that kind of who they're pretending to be when they uh, approach the one guy and they say papers, yes. you know, yes. and then they take him into their car? Yes. Because as a first time viewer, I was almost confused because I'm thinking that mm-hmm. that was a legit thing, but then I realized, okay, it's not. They're you know. But it is Cover- interesting that they yeah. chose to be yeah. the secret police. I team. mean, I think there's a lot of parallels between uh, their tactics and their supposed enemies and whatnot. Oh, Obviously, that's kind of yeah. the whole. I mean, not to cut you off. But, no, no, it's, um, I'm totally with you on this. You, I guess, you want me to go really quickly into my opening thoughts? Oh, please. Thoughts? Okay, mm-hmm. so I watched this for the first time uh, this past weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm so glad I did. I've seen three other uh, John Pierre Melville films. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to this, and I pretty much loved them all, so I definitely was excited to watch this, but I also don't like anything with the synopsis having to do with war, and I don't mean that mm-hmm. in that I'll never like something, it's just, it, I never look forward to watching it, because I just find them boring, which makes me a horrible person, but, nah. it's, you know, 
I'm like, I think I'd rather read about it than watch a dramatization of it. Like that's my, that's my thing at that because usually the dramatization is uh, infused with jingoism and you know right. and whatnot. Of course, we'll leave it up to uh, my buddy JPM, and he notorious JPM. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, it was all a dream. Uh, <laughs> but neither of you listen to Biggie. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, that's talking about Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. I don't know you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah I mean, <laughs> um, I, she's actually lived. So. True. Fuck off. Exactly. Yeah, but that, that's if he's so great, why is he dead? Am I right now? Yeah. I mean, if, I mean I he just, was. How did he predict nine eleven? <laughs> that's not what he. Oh really? No, he didn't. Blow up like the World Trade. He's actually referring to another actual incident that predated <laughs> that. Yeah, he was talking about. He was talking I don't about, think uh, so. He was talking about yeah. Ramsey Yusuf in yeah. the, the 1993. Okay, Dad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> not to be pedantic. See, he actually has the like so. You know, it's like. It was a mm. failed attempt. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to reality here. Um, <laughs> right, as, gravity. A, as opposed to the you know Manhattan, which isn't real. So, okay. Gone, uh, clearly, gone our guest has had too much to drink. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Nazis. Hate them or love them, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a complicated um, issue. It is. Uh, you know, there's, there's good there's, people on both sides. Uh, what sides are you talking about? Exactly. Uh, so. Fine people. I I was kind of slightly skeptical about watching this because I'm just like, oh, I know John Pierre Melville's style, which can certainly be slow and didactic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm usually for that, but I'm like, I don't know if I can do it with a war film. But, of course, this isn't really your typical war film. This is very much uh, a survival film at the end of the day. And I and I, I, I had never really, because I don't watch a lot, so really it's probably just rudimentary in general, but I never really considered what a resistance cell looks like in this light before uh, due to my limited exposure to it. But... I was kind of taken aback by how unglamorous this life was and how resistance in reality is basically a numbers game. Right. You know, it's it's not... I mean, sure, uh, you know, your public persona is that you're fighting to overthrow, you know, whatever, you, whatever. But in reality, all you're trying to do is not you know, lose as many members as you can because that's what's going to happen. And because this movie uh, acts in a um, net, uh, uh, what do you call it, a a, a negative sum. Zero sum? Yeah, kind sure. of a, uh, what, oh, a net positive type oh, right. thing mm-hmm. where every time they do something, it is only to try to get back what they just lost. Yeah. Or it ends up losing even more. Totally. And nothing is, like you said, Dan, nothing is really a victory, and that's true. Because, I mean, maybe one of the biggest, quote-unquote, victories is when they do uh, allow um, Gerbier to escape from the, uh, you know, the, the concentr- well, not concentrate, the internment camp that yeah. they have, um, yeah. the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's going to die anyway in, right. in the future, so it's like, what kind of, you know, victory is that in the long run? But it's it's and it's probably the flashiest thing too. Like mm-hmm. it's not even that flashy. But there are smoke bombs and you know yeah, someone scales a like, wall. There's a rope. Like that's right. <laughs> when, when there's a rope, there's a rope, and that's the most exciting this movie gets. That tells you the wavelength it's operating on. Right. Um, but I I absolutely love this movie. I thought in general it was I I always love the characters that Melville brings to the screen because 
all of them somehow feel fully fleshed out, even if you only meet them for a few scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, you can call it slow, and I and I won't disagree, but I feel like the moments of, like, how the the, the three old buffoons playing uh, checkers, be, you know, before the lights go out, and the, the way they're trying to make the most of that situation says a lot about their ideological differences compared to somebody like Gerbier, who's... Like, the moment he gets in, he's already trying to lay out the room as far as where is this cot. And I don't think these are just, you know, boring script questions. I think these actually mm-hmm. tell you something about who's who and whatnot. And, you know, his uh, passing comrade glance to mm-hmm. the uh, younger man. And I, I think that's also an interesting detail, that it's the younger man that he kind of... Like, I don't know a lot about the resistance and whatnot, but I find it interesting that in a room full of, you know, people, it was the younger person that he looked to to say, like, are you with me? And I think that's probably a generational thing, you know, as far as, like, you know, the just in any conflict, uh, the old tend to keep the status quo the same for fear mm-hmm. of losing what they have, sure. um, you know, and such. So, um, I and I love the scene where he's walking through the internment camp down what's, what's like a murderer's row yeah. of people who have been interned because it, A, it's, you know, I actually have never seen like the entire thing, so, you know, whatever, but uh, like something like Schindler's List, which I've seen a lot of scenes from, but where, which is a good movie, mm-hmm. but where the conflict is very uh, black and white as far as, sure. you know, these are the Nazis, these are the people the Nazis are killing. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a well-written and well-directed film, like, that's what... What I liked about this is that him walking through that and literally narrating who's there, it's interesting because it's not a concentration camp. It's technically an internment camp, which mm-hmm. there is a difference. Sure. And the way he highlights who's been... Uh, shall we say, picked off uh, from society and who's just no longer allowed to lead the lives that you know they should be allowed to. I mean, freedom is its own reward totally. uh, compared to, like, death is one thing, but also just to strip that away. And for him to go through and, and see all those people, it, it's crazy to think about how much the war affects outside of what the history books teach, like this, you know, Axis versus Allies type mm-hmm. mentality. Freedom through citizenship, citizenship through service. Starship Troopers? Paul Verhoeven. Boom. What's up, Alex? I was going to mention that, um, interestingly enough, with the scene you're just referring to, is actually one of my favorite scenes in the film. Uh, And I feel like that scene, even though he doesn't really gain any true people at that point, uh, I feel like that highlights something that that at least is a... (laughs) giant miscue here by the Nazis, uh, and it is something that a lot of groups do, like something like, uh, I know that this is something that's somewhat going to be important in the upcoming film, which I'm very interested in seeing, which is called The Miseducation of Cameron Post about Ooh, gay conversion oh, yeah. therapy. Yeah, that looks yeah. amazing. Um, the, the idea of putting all these people together Yeah, uh, never is... once thinking about like <laughs> how that could be detrimental to yeah. your cause. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's and it's just interesting that you have like these gangsters in the one part of it and yeah. you're like boy, these could be really useful to my yeah. my plan. I, I mean, that in yeah. and of itself and, you know, obviously you'd have to have some cunning but it only takes a person like Gearbier who mm-hmm. obviously, now he is an interesting character and I'll say this before I pass on my opening thoughts to somebody else but I think What's great about the main character of Gerber, and that's what I'm going to call him, even though I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Gerber, Gerber, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Um, But what's great about his character is that 
it, this is so uh, fatalistically realistic as to how someone like him would probably act if he wants to be able to do what he wants to do. And I'm mostly talking about what I would call the introduction to his character, which is not the literal introduction, mm-hmm. but the one where you start to see what his ideology, uh, ideology falls in line with mm-hmm. and what its limitations, if there are any, uh, you know, are where he tells them uh, the man when he's taken to the um, what is it like the German whatever oh, it's like out of the camp to oh, the it's a hotel where, yeah. the, where the Gestapo has yes. their headquarters and when he sits next to the man on the bench right. and he tells him okay you know and it's I'm an idiot because when I hear him say those lines like okay you make you know you I'll get up and distract the guard and you whatever I'm thinking he's doing something for the both of them right. But in reality, he's not, and he used. I mean, I don't think he wants him to die. No, but yeah. he knows that there's no way <laughs> that he can rely on saving him and himself. So you know, hope for the best or it's whatever. Unsane all over again. Yeah, and so for the yeah for Did him. See the movie? Oh, which one? Unsane. Unsane. I have not. Yeah, Soderbergh it's on film. My list yeah. No, and it's actually oh, there, very there, much there's like a that. moment like that in yeah. There, and it's delightful. Where someone makes a horrible choice, even though it's out of self-preservation. Uh, well, sure. Yeah. Well, well, it, it, I think it, it is. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a very fun scene to talk about. It is. Um, so, But him running away in that scene is kind of when the movie opened up for me. I and agree. I started to realize like what the moral choices they were going to have to make one after another. And the fatalism that kind of hangs over all their f- very futile actions. So I very much enjoyed it. And I'm nice. curious to see what you guys thought. Ooh. So uh, I will start off my thoughts by saying that one of my favorite scenes in the film actually happened directly after the scene you were talking about, and that is the scene when he stops in the shop to get a shave, which I thought was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Because, A, um, if anyone's looking for him, he's just a guy with fucking foam all over his face. So... (laughs) And at the same time, too, uh, that scene has this weird camaraderie happening with it, with him and the guy who's giving him the shave. Yeah. Like uh, he knows what's going on. Sure. I was say. But at the same time, uh, it just kind of progresses as a normal visit to the barber. So Yeah, I think it's almost like in real time, where it's like the, about the time it would take to shave. To it, shave. Yeah, yes. it, is, it is very kind of surreal, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I actually love that scene, and I thought it was perfectly placed in this film. It's funny that you say surreal, because I agree with you, because what's one thing that's kind of weird, as far as the detail, but I don't think it's accidental, is that when he answers the fact that, you know, he's walked through the door, he comes up in his barber's uniform, and it's like, if it's that late at night, and you were downstairs in your living quarters, why are you still dressed as a barber? And right. I feel like that's kind of indicative of a lot of the costuming in this movie where everyone has a role to play yes. um, and the bowler hats come up a lot and whatnot. And I, and it's funny because some people hate the roles that they were born to play. Like the, what's his name? Felix who hates the bowler hat and whatnot. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. So well, it's because of his bald spot. You find out it's basically, that is true. Like, yeah. I guess in French, his name means his last name means bald spot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Did I know that? So anyway, uh, what were you saying? Anyway, I love that scene. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. And I love the scene preceding it that you already kind of uh, described. That that also is just wonderful. Um, ultimately, this is not my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. I, in general, like war films, and I like gangster films a lot. Mm-hmm. So just the kind of premise, I was intrigued by it. But unfortunately, this falls into the Jean Le Car, uh type film for me that, for the most part, I just despise. Uh, and it doesn't mean that they're bad films. Uh, I just find them so boring that I can't even mm-hmm. keep my interest. 
uh, his you know films that have been uh, made made or his works have been made into films recently. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, mm-hmm. uh, Most Wanted Man, um, both of those I thought were just so yawn worthy, mm-hmm. um, and this feels similar to me. Uh, and I, I just had a hard time really grasping on to this film because of that. Uh, even though that I do feel like this is just a really quality, really high quality made film, like the the way that the this actual film is made feels like something like oh I'm again I mentioned I'm having a horrible time remembering things today, but the what's that? I said no worries. No, okay. Um, the film, uh, one of the very first foreign films that we did a uh, an episode on, the uh, vanishing. The vanishing. Uh, oh, I, f- wow. I feel like the the filmmaking is in that same vein where there's a really strong attention to detail throughout, mm-hmm. and yeah. with a story like this, that's something you really need to really hammer home what you're trying to tell. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is me as the viewer wasn't necessarily receiving it the best because yeah. I just could not keep my attention throughout this film. Unfortunately to say I did doze off a time or two during yeah. the middle of this. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that being said, there are parts of this that are absolutely fascinating to me. And even though I don't give this a very high rating, uh, I still find parts of this just heartbreaking at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene where they are trying to go back and save, um, What's his uh, name? Well, it's, uh, it's basically um, they're trying to say Felix, yes, and yeah. Jean Francois. Oh, they don't know it, but he's already. It's like Castle's there. father. Uh, I know. Yeah, gets, rem- gets himself in prison on purpose. I think, right? Right. Yeah. He basically, yeah. He writes he that letter. Thinks himself out. Yeah. And but true story, though. Uh, when first time I saw this, I'm like, man, that dude looks a lot like Vincent Cassel. Like oh. And then I looked, and I'm like, son of a gun, it is <laughs> his relation. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's where that comes from. <laughs> that little rascal. That knows. That guy <laughs> from Ocean's Twelve. I can't remember his character. What was his character? LaFox. The Fox. Night Fox, sorry. The Night Fox. Also also La Fox, Illinois, but that's okay. It is true, yeah. Yes. The Night Fox. Yes. He's also yeah. great in Black Swan. Should I tell you how He's I did it? And apparently is the perpetrator in one of the absolutely worst rape scenes ever in the movie Irreversible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Never seen it. Oh, I should. He's um I don't know if he's the perpetrator, but that, that scene um is, is he not? No, he's I don't oh, think okay. so. He played he, the boyfriend. Oh, I, I'm I'm sorry then. I thought he was. My bad. He's the one who goes to get revenge. Um, yeah. And that's um From what I've heard, yeah. That's not a that's not a film I was able to complete. No? And that's that's rare for me. Okay, um, but I just, I just damn it. Now I want to watch for no. it. <laughs> Guess for no, which I love. Um, Enter the void, but this that, is that's like, a film I could only watch once. Um, yeah, it's wow. Well, yeah, it's yeah. pretty. Just visually, it's like. Oh, yeah. yeah, but it's like a All of the one of the most uh, starkly nihilistic <laughs> films I've ever seen. So, yeah. Oof, wow, yeah, irreversible um, is like that. Nihilistic times, yeah, yeah, a million, yeah. bazillion, yeah. Like enter the void. You're at the end. You're like, oh, rebirth. But yeah. this is like, no, no, just <laughs> ba- bad. And even then, like the at the end of Enter the Void, is like it's. This is all just like some LSD hallucination. This is not even rebirth. It's like it's very, very fatalistic. And I was like, no, he just died in a fit. He just died in a fit in a dirty bathroom. He floated around an awful lot. Well, okay, never mind. Well, every, everything floats down here. Uh, <laughs> hey, it. at any rate, <laughs> uh, at, it, anyway. at any rate, 
I love the scene where they go to try to rescue Felix mm -hmm. just because of the hopelessness that uh, you feel with that scene, especially when he's uh, too unwell to be transported. Right. Yeah. Oh, like they're, boy. they're literally only undone by the fact that they're, they just beat the shit out of him too yeah. hard. Yeah. They tortured him too long. Yeah. And, and the other thing about that is I feel like that's kind of bullshit too. Like, I feel yeah, like, like, how are you too unwell? You can either right. do it or not. So. Like what, what is it really going to kill him to, <laughs> to put him in this ambulance? Well, I, I, always, I don't know. Yeah. I just entered. I always love it when you'll see a movie where like they've been torturing a dude and then the doctor comes in. I'm like, where the fuck were you this whole time, dude? You oh, know, oh, you're worried about his health. They you know, killed all the him. real doctors. Oh, yeah. sadly <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, this is a film that just was not my bag, but uh, cool. I do think it's a very quality film that I could see anybody who's, uh, you, you don't even have to be a cinephile really, like anyone who just enjoys good film could easily sit down and watch this and find beauty in this really just horrible time period that's happening throughout this film. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that are those are kind of my first thoughts. How about you, Toussaint? Well, my first thoughts are... I have only seen one Jean-Pierre Melville film before this, and that is Les Samoré, nice. which I very much enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of like referring back to my experiences, like watching that, um, I can totally see how this through line of, what did you describe it as, Nick? You said it was very didactic and... Uh... I forgot what the other, but basically meticulous. It's very meticulous and yeah. didactic. And I was like, yeah, I can totally see where that through line is between that film. And this one, I've been meaning to watch other stuff by him as well too, but I let me know. Yeah. This is uh, one of the reasons I enjoyed watching army of shadows. Like I, this isn't the type of like resistance film that I'm used to watching, especially with a war film is like, it is very fatalistic. It is very like, you're, you're just, you're you're just running out the clock at this point, trying to see if like how how many times can you try to defy this occupying force before you're just eventually swallowed by it, and then knowing the the only sort of like saving grace is knowing that you are not the only you are not the only resistance cell in this country. There are many autonomous ones working in tandem, like trying to affect something, but you try to do the most that you can. I thought that the the lead character uh, Garbier, mm -hmm. um, he's cool. I liked him a lot. Um, he I was really bugging me because I felt like he really looked like old Robert De Niro. Yeah, <laughs> he I does say that. that. Yeah. yeah, and he I just mean, he just has that kind of moldy face going. He looks like the mole from Atlantis, the <laughs> Disney animated movie. Well, that was, wow. That's what you remember from that movie? I remember a lot of things from that movie. Well, I remember I, the hearts on the underwear. Oh my god, I fucking love you, Nick. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, I, you I, always just bring your A game. To I'm just saying, that's what he looks like. I remember the Shepherd's Journal. I remember Leviathan because it was designed by Mike Mignola. And I remember... I didn't know that about Mike. Yeah, it's really dope. Um, it's actually one of my favorite like monster designs in a Disney film. And uh, I know that the... Language for um, Atlantis was actually designed by a real, like, like, um, like, like, like real linguist. Wow! Yeah, it was I really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah, thanks. That looks a lot like uh, Garbier, the the mole guy from Atlantis. Yeah, yes. the glasses and such. I, I mean, this double was exaggerated, but it's yeah, cool. yeah. This yeah, was I mean, before he got the shape. I mean, it is a fucking cartoon. Um, I mean, actually, that looks a little. I mean, just from afar. <laughs> That looks a little bit to me like Jafar when he turns into a snake. Ah, uh, yes. 
<laughs> okay, so um, I really so did enjoy we, this. We don't have these kind of offshoots on this podcast, by the way. <sighs> no? This is this is very much a one-time thing that you're bringing out in all of us. I, I, think, I feel like I hear this all the time. I think what? that my <laughs> favorite scene in the oh, film... Oh, look at He's wearing the little feather bow. Yeah, that's great. Um, my Go favorite on. scene in the film was when he escaped... Uh, from being mowed down by the fucking Nazis and like the smoke bombs and like about that game, by the way, it's a fucked up game. That was so. Here's the thing: you watch that as a viewer, and you're like, God, don't you dare run! Don't you fucking run! But like, I know I would. Yeah, that's the that's the bitch of it. Is it's well, first of all, it's it's not to interrupt. I mean, it it is a it was a real thing. Yeah, and and of course it was like a game. Like, oh, those of you that make it all the way over to there, you can hide behind the no one ever. No. I mean, everybody, they're like, nobody ever makes it. You know? No, the, the, they do. The fucked up, even, the fucked up raising yeah. of this right. is that it's not, do it twice it's not even like day. you'll live. It's just like, if you manage to get all the way back there, we're going to bring you back. And then you're just going to do another round with some other guys. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to it do it again. Reminds me of when you had to Fuck take the this. pacer test in middle school. Fuck the pacer test. The pacer test? But with like a Go lot on. less <laughs> I'm not Nazism and fascism. Uh, the pacer test in sure? high school, We did you you know what I'm talking about, Alec? Yeah. Remember you had to take the Illinois state test and it was always like push-ups, sit-ups. And the, and the feed and the boat and never mind. No, it's no. where okay. you're, this is you're across in, the river, but you got to take one. You're this is something happened in, the in gym. gym class, huh? Yeah, in what? gym class. Does this happen in gym class? Yeah, yeah. you had to okay. take the Illinois health test, whatever it was. Okay. And you had to do a bunch of things. It was push-ups, mm-hmm. sit-ups. And all you were doing was recording you know, how many you could mm-hmm. do on each test. Yeah. But one of them was the pacer test where right. you started at one end of the gym and you had to get to the other end of the gym before the beep happened. Mm. And the beeps would happen quicker and quicker depending on every... Uh, you know, yeah. ten or so. There was some kid really who, who was like, I, I do that. I, determined I, I went, to do a hundred laps. In West Chicago, and we had I know, a but really, I thought it was like really Illinois, low. like state mandated. It yeah. could be. We were a really low school. <laughs> There was a kid in my class who was like determined to do like. Hey, go fuck yourself. Um, He's amplifying your story. First of all, I did. Yeah, uh, whatever. Second of all, you know. Way to go, Marilyn Manson. There was a there was a guy in my class who was like devoted to like getting a hundred in the pacer test and actually managed to do it. Oh, we always had like three or four of those every. Yeah, there's life. always there's always the guys who want to like you know show up and show out and be like, oh, I'm alpha. That's, oh, that's yeah, that guy. That guy's probably dead. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> but it was like, oh, he died right after he completed. He was like, <laughs> yeah. I did it. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really like this film. Um, <laughs> I liked the pacing. I liked the setting, and I and I just really just enjoyed the performances of all the the resistance cell leaders, like. All in all, it's like it, it just really gave off this. I love the opening scene for this, like before we actually get into yeah. the film proper, where it shows yeah. like a, a, yeah. a parade march of the Nazis, like outlined against the uh, the Eiffel Tower. I'm just oh. like, oh yeah, we own Not this bitch. Tower. This is our yeah. town. Uh, yeah. uh, that was the Arc de Triomphe, actually. Yeah. Well, but the uh, Eiffel Tower is in the same same yeah. plaza. Yeah. And yeah, they used to do that like every morning. Yeah, they and would go like, and have their military parade. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh, uh, just in case you forgot, we're here. That's how you demonstrate. Yeah, we're we're here. We're which, we're not queer. Uh, get used to it which, because we're Nazis and we're going to kill you. It did have a really weird vibe, which I picked on immediately. And as soon as I said something, these two were both like, actually, you know what? You're actually kind of right. Which it really kind of felt like the band marching during the uh, parade scene in Animal House. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's kind of fucked up because I've seen it a long time. 
which which is fine, uh, but it is just really awkward because it it almost can't be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, they say that like audiences. <laughs> They say that audiences uh, in the th- well. First of all, the fact that they had to get like special permission to do it in Paris, in, in uh, because I, like, it was like actually since World War One had been like nobody. Could yeah, it's even only about wear... twenty years after that that movie. Was I made. could well, see there could, like, could be a little even, bit like... of resistance to that. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I, every I now and then, like every like fifteen episodes, I have a good. Thank one. God, I brought another pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> the seats are ruined. No, um, but uh, no, it's true. Like uh, they actually like you weren't even like it was literally a law they had passed after World War One, where like nobody could even wear a German uniform in France. That didn't work out, right? And they well, yeah, well, right. So then afterwards, it was like he had to get like special permission. They had to film it like really early in the morning so people wouldn't flip out. And it was one of those things where he. he Later on, Melville said it was one of the two shots he was really most proud of. And he said he was like, he couldn't believe they ever pulled it off. They're like, I can't believe they even let us do this. Because it was like, and it was one of those things where it's at the very beginning, like audiences, especially French audiences, were like, it was creeped them out thoroughly watching that. Because it comes right at you. And you're like, it's a good lid lifter. For sure. Yes, absolutely. What if someone made a supercut of scenes from this movie set to that Jay Z uh, Kanye song about Paris? Run the jewels? Oh wait, what? What, <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck are you talking? Anyway, continue. Like no church in the wild. Anyway, uh, oh that one. No, yeah, yeah. no wait, I'm no. thinking of the other song, but I can't say because I'm a white person. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Yes, I like that song too. Anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. did you have any more opening thoughts? No. Before we. Kick no, it off. I enjoyed this film. One scene I want to talk cool. about in yes. particular is the scene where they have to murder the betrayer. Yes. Because I think it's That's kind of a alluded to that it's Gerbier's first time. I mean, he's. Yeah, it's basically at the end, he's like, I didn't think we could do it. And he's like, Yeah, I didn't think we could either. Because yeah. it was there all I all mean, he first certainly handles it with pain, Ash. But. Right. Uh, <laughs> As um, the French say. Yes. The pain <laughs> No, I mean. But. Uh, that whole scene is fantastic from the start of him getting in the car to the car ride to all the way of the walking him up. The, and that's kind of Melville in a nutshell. If you're yeah. not okay, which is totally fine if you're not okay. But sure. you have to be ready for these kind of like long takes, which are not stylistic, but uh, mood-bearing type thing. Right. And um, But that whole thing with him and when they get to the apartment and the uh, the superintendent uh, resistant guy is like very worried because yeah. the neighbors just moved in the day before, which throws off their gun plan. Mm-hmm. And the weird, I don't know, um, archaic way of strangling him with, with, the, with towel. the towel and the um, the peg to twist it is one of and, those and, weird and things. And the where, other two people having to hold his legs down, too, right. which is really important. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole ordeal. Um, yeah. But the... For me, it's the towel and the peg that is so weird. Because I remember that from childhood, like being taught that, like you know, you you put something around, and if you twist it, you have more strength than your. Oh sure. And so to see it, like I guess I just never thought about that. <laughs> to see it used in this, it kind of reminded me of like me first discovering that and being like, science is cool. And then now <laughs> I'm like, Ew, science is cool. I don't know if I like it anymore. Science is murderous. Um, it, it's just so so ghoulish. Uh, totally. But I thought it was fantastic. Ghoulish is like the perfect word. Yeah. For too. Um, I, I find it very interesting that multiple times when murder of their comrades is brought up, uh, there is a lot of 
internal strife that happens. Mm. Um, and it obviously makes sense. But um, the idea that whenever there is somebody who either wants to be done or uh, has possibly abandoned them, uh, that they have to be eliminated, is such a weird place because... But but there's not anything you can do about right. it because you're in this weird war scenario. But at the same time, you're like fighting against this ideal. And it, oh man, it's just yeah. that part of it's just really fucked up. And it makes sense that he is one of the only people who could just go along with it because yes, you have to abandon uh, human decency yeah. if you would like to overcome this nonsense that's happening. And he shows his stripes when the ending comes and um, it's basically called upon him to back up the, the leader who we find out is the Vincent Cassell's father's yeah. uh, the his, actor. Uh, his brother. Uh, yeah, his yeah. brother who he has no idea. I think we're implied that, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, still, uh, even throughout the whole entire film, it's not like he ever finds out n- either because he never gets to meet. Yeah, neither yeah. of them actually, even though when he's rowing him out, it's too dark, supposedly. So, right. Yeah, so neither of the brothers ever knows the other one was in the Resistance. And I think that's an interesting idea because one it, it's interesting how that's a multifaceted look at uh resistance which is that there's in this movie alone there's not only that a rebuke of the glamorous uh idealization of resistance but there's also the resistance on the page versus resistance you know in the real world because mm-hmm. we learn that the the leader of this group of cells at least is someone who's been regularly publishing uh publishing uh philosophical ideals and such and we like that in and of itself is a form of resistance and the idea that that doesn't have any play any part or or have any hand in these uh you know cells is 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 foolish to think that they're they're like like that's a cover or something like that no it's all related and and then one begets the other (laughs) i guess um, oh, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, but I, I like the fact that they never met. It's not like they had some weird kind of Hollywood-esque scene where it was like, you? Yeah. You? <laughs> I didn't know. No, yeah, they never did it. Yeah. You got mail. I'm Malcolm X. Um, <clears throat> so what I love about, and I'm going to have to raise my rating a little bit on this film because okay. the more I think about it, the more I like it just a little bit more. I think that's more. Melville in a nutshell was not to yeah. say that you're going to like absolutely love well, whatever. The same, the same thing Dan pretty much said is that mm. the first time you saw this, you're like, mm, it's pretty no. good. But yeah, I, I mean, it, like, I, I, I liked the individual scenes, but I felt like, man, it was really slow. Yeah. And, and then as time went on, I It's a grower, not a shower. It's a grower, not a shower. Exactly. It's a way uh, homer. The the <laughs> idea that, that I'm just, just like you, just completely swinging and missing on uh, his character's name, but Vincent Cassell's father's character. Yeah, I think Guess Fault uh, or I something. Think, uh, well, it's uh, Jean-Francois the character. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Jean-Francois. Uh, the, that really pivotal scene early in the film when he goes and meets him for lunch uh, yeah, at his yeah. house, and he almost looks down upon him as mm-hmm. he's like this other guy who just doesn't want to get involved. Careful. And then you you find out that actually he's the, he's the lead. Uh, I think that's, yeah. that's fucking and Before brilliant. he goes there, he tells, uh, I think maybe his feeling, or whoever meets with him, maybe the it's Gerbeer. He, he, was, he was dropping off something. Uh, I don't I remember, remember who it was. I, yeah. I think it was 
Well, anyway, but he yeah. says, like, oh, I worship my brother, you know, whatnot. Oh, yeah, he's talking to Felix. And it's yeah. just funny because he doesn't realize how much he actually means that. <laughs> um, True. Yeah, he know. even calls him St. Luke. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he's like, oh, he's such a, he's so, you know, he's got his head in the clouds. He's like a saint. You know, that yeah. was I, supposedly why they call him that. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's true. But, well, oh, Matilda. Yes. I think we should probably talk about that. Absolutely. So, first of all, I was not expecting a movie from this era, a movie about this era from the era that it came out. So, both the 40s and the 60s in play. Sure. To be this pretty progressive about uh, gender politics uh, in the sense that, like, Matilda's kind of like the shit. I mean, yeah. she is the one who is like everybody does not want to cross, mm-hmm. and not in some like she's a bitch way. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's no. just the utmost respect no, for the fact is. that they all, like, no, I'm just saying, like that. What she's not? You just said the way that you said, like she's not like she's a bitch. And I was like, it's like she's a bitch. Da na na na. How? That was wrong with you. Sorry. No, that's um, But her character is like is treated with the utmost like admiration. Like I feel like they all want to be Matilda in yeah. in a sense, and um, obviously that completely informs this the final act, which is like. You know, when we when we get introduced to the betrayer, it's like we it's hard not to side with the cell we're watching because we don't know much about him other than the one thing that defines him, which is that he betrayed them. And yet, by the time we get to the end, and it's her, she doesn't even betray them. She just is too sentimental for the war, and like that right. in and of itself is obviously heartbreaking. And yet, I don't know that when they shot her in the street that I was as sad as I should have been. I mean, that's what's so weird about this movie and about, I think, war in general, is that these things happen and they have to happen, and I feel like it's pretty telling that she didn't run away. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not so much that I, I think part of her was frozen fear type, like, it's not like she's like a, you know, immortal type whatever. Uh, she's not Scarface, you know, pulling out Tommy goes, (laughs) you fucking cockroaches wanna play? Um, but you don't need to hate me. You gotta yeah. have somebody to hate. No, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Go on. But I mean, I think she genuinely was a fifty-fifty mix of fear, but also like I probably would do the same. Right. And then that's kind of a scary notion that. Uh, but clearly, none of them are okay with it, even if they yeah. say they are. Like a Gerbier. I mean, first of all, some of them are not okay with it. Yeah, the Le, Le Bison or Bison character, yep. he's like ready to throw down. Yeah, like you see Gerbier, he goes for the pistol in his desk, and uh, Jean or not Jean Francois, but um, Le Masque. He rev- behind him, and he's like, he's got his gun yeah. ready. It's like, oh, we're gonna have to kill our friend before we kill another friend. Because and um, we can't convince <laughs> Jean Francois's brother, who I forget his name. Oh, uh, Saint Luke. Saint Luke. Like called. he even reveals himself. Just to stop the bloodshed right. on Matilda's behalf, so to speak. So um, it, it's just it's fascinating to me that um, a lot was given up and yet uh, and yet forfeited uh, mm-hmm. in, in an effort to kill this woman who was only trying to help. Yeah, and I mean she's like a super and, useful soldier. She's you know. In the novel, they talk about. I mean, the novel and the book, are, I mean, excuse me, the novel and the film are really close. I mean, there's almost almost everything in the novels and the in the movie. But I mean, they talk about how she's like, oh, she's proved herself to be like way better than we thought, and you know, because she's basically a housewife um, when we first meet her, and she's supposed to be like not even like for the rebels. But it turns out that 
that's just a facade she has for her family, you know. And in fact, yep. she's just it's because she keeps it all. Like she says, she keeps it all from her family. Nobody knows what she's doing, including her daughter, her husband, or kid, or any well, of their kids. So. And this movie, I would say, repeatedly shows how even if, but I would say repeatedly shows that women are invaluable in something like a resistance cell because it's almost always women who are allowed mm-hmm. to do things that the men can't get away with in yeah. these movies. Um, the train station, which I know you and Tucson giggle that Alex, which I totally get, mm-hmm. but the scene where he takes up the woman's child when he gets off the train totally. just oh, to yeah. smuggle in. Yeah. Like it obviously it is so garish, you know, to look from 2018 on but I, I totally buy it as this like thing because during wartime, I genuinely think a nice person who put pieces together would know what's happening, but also know, you know what, I'm with you, not with the people who are – whatever you're going to do, I may have a problem with, but I have less of a problem with that than I do with the people who you're staring at. Yeah, the, in, yeah, the invaders, if you will. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. it is tough in 2018 to watch that, and especially with the – a uh, very quick trigger that most people have with anything involving their personal space mm-hmm. that if you picked up someone's child to be like this motherfucker like I, I don't know I don't know why they're black um, but <laughs> fair enough that's my kid I don't know you <laughs> I mean yeah. to be fair the white kid people really wanted to be would do that to probably be fair, way more than black people would the so, kid really I mean, wanted to be picked up because the mom was already holding the other one so I feel like she was like thank you mister well, yeah. I don't uh, got a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, in the book, uh, he's even, like, he, he shows, like, t- some, you know, pure balls, basically, in that. And then, like, later on, when he's going through a train station later, he actually asks a Gestapo agent to carry one of his cases for <laughs> him. So he's just like, fuck you guys. He's, he's very addicted to danger. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense for his character to just be like, oh, I'm just going to pick up this red kid. It's going to be fine. And she's like, oh, thank you. Very chivalrous. You know, whatever. So, I yeah. mean, it's a literal better bet than nothing. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, So it's like, even if that would have been an alarming thing, it still makes sense from a character standpoint. Although uh, it is funny that he does get his suitcase inspected literally seconds after that happens. Yeah, Yeah. and they're like, oh, what is this? He's like, oh, it's a radio. They're like, okay, move on. It's like, dude, that's exactly what you're searching for. Why didn't you? Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. It's just funny. People uh, often don't see what's right in front of their face. Yeah, I was going to say, if you say, like, oh nothing then it's like okay then but if if yeah the kind of bluntness about Mm -hmm. it is what makes it more like well i guess it's not a problem Mm -hmm. well this is a stolen car officer (laughs) they're like oh okay on your way oh yes no no go (laughs) just let your taillights out (laughs) so i think going to ratings would be a good thing because we've hit on the on the major subjects here so who i guess i'll go first actually since i probably have the least to say um I thought this was very hit or miss for me. Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Uh, I think that I would probably like this even a little bit more on a rewatch because I think there's plenty here in terms of uh, the thematic storytelling that happens throughout Army of Shadows that I would appreciate it even more a second time. But as I mentioned during my initial thoughts, these kind of films really turn me off Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a way that... I just I just don't like the way that the story is necessarily told because I feel like it is um at a point intentionally boring slash slow uh to tell its storyline, which is great because it works for the subject matter. Uh but for me at the same time, uh I just could not really latch onto this, although I do think there is some very well done filmmaking here. So mm. it's two and a half out of five for me for Army of Shadows. Mm. 
I would give this a three out of five mm-hmm. for Army of Shadows. I enjoyed it. Um, I respect it as a as a craft of a film. Um, I'm not sure if I entirely got everything I would have gotten out of it from just a first time viewing, and I am interested in watching it again. I enjoy uh, John Pierre Melville. Um, between this and Les Samurai, I think Les Samurai just edges it out just because of the fact that I, I like that film not for any type of like allegory or like overt messaging. Sure. It's just a fucking cool film. Mm-hmm. It's just a fucking cool film, and this just doesn't exude that same level of cool for me. So I'm so maybe, sorry. Maybe that that's maybe that's World maybe... War Two resistance isn't yeah. hip enough. Yeah, for it's not you hip enough. It's, to it's, say... not, it's not hip enough. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're just really like. Leaning into the emphasis of my French name, huh? Anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I Tucson, like, Arizona. Fuck off. Uh, but yeah, I give this a three out of five. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, you want to go, and then I'll go after you. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, the movie is about, um, uh, like I was saying before, like secret honor, courage, where it's like. Yeah. You know, it's you're operating at another level of courage when you're um, doing something and you're like, oh, nobody's going to ever see this or nobody's going to know. You know, like uh, at the time the movie starts, basically, there's like essentially a couple hundred resistance guys. And then by mid-1943, so about a year later, there's like thousands. But during that time, it was very much like, yeah, we're probably not going to make it, and probably no one's going to remember our names, and our families may not even know what happens to us. And I think I mentioned have families. to you when we talked about it before this podcast and when we hung out mm-hmm. that one thing that's interesting to watch a movie like this that I think makes it better to think about is mm-hmm. that when we watch it in 2018, we know exactly what right. happens. You know, right. we know the the end result of the war. Now, mm-hmm. that was true in 1969, too, technically. So it, sure. it was intended in this way. So the idea of that these guys don't know that. Mm-hmm. And if anything, they probably think the opposite. I mean, they don't, you know, to call yourself resistance is probably to call yourselves losers. To, to live during with. that time and to see... Your entire country, your home being reshapen right. to such an extent. Like, yeah. how could you not believe that this was just like a futile that. effort, but still yeah. a noble effort? Right. And I the, mean, I mean, they literally are rebel scum during yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And the um, the, the epigraph scum. or whatever the end titles tell yeah. you the fates of all four, which is they all die, right? Whether by their own choice or by uh, death by the Nazis, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is just. And the fact that – I'm sorry. I'm totally just steamrolling over. It's but okay. Go ahead. The fact that that comes – because we didn't talk about it. The fact that that comes directly after the drive-by is mm-hmm. just probably one of the – if not the only way you could end this movie, which is like they made this hard choice and then dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I mean they all died. So what did it matter? And, you know, whatever. Right. And that's just the most futile – is you know resistance is futile thing that I could possibly think of. <laughs> right. No. So it's, anyway. No. You're absolutely right. I mean, you have to in order to resist and uh, operate at what I would probably consider almost you know about the about the highest level of courage because it's courage where you're like you know I'm never going to get any awards for this and I probably won't be remembered you know, and so the ability to do that you have to have like a very 
like troublesomely persistent sense of right and wrong, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is probably something you wish you didn't have a good part of the time. And, you know, a kind of a sense of um, like a higher justice. I mean, there's a part where um, near the beginning where they're in the uh, camp and he's talking to the um, communist kid, right? And the kid's friend has died who's been nursing the whole time. And uh, what does he say? I got it written here. He says, uh, he's, this is one of my favorite lines in any movie. He says, don't worry, the score will be settled. And it's like, well, you know, it's like him, his way of saying, well, we'll pay him back. You know, and it's like I kind of get this feeling like almost all the members of this group are silently. That's their mantra. It's like, well, yeah. I see what's happening. I'm registering this injustice. The score will be settled eventually. You know, the the balance will be, the debts will be paid, if you will. And I think it takes, like, it's weird because you don't think of, I don't think of Melville as a guy who's a very hopeful filmmaker. Like, his stuff is very tonally pessimistic. But you do kind of have to have some sense of right and wrong and a certain sense of hope to go, well, you know, I'm doing this thing. And, I mean, like, I think um, Scott Tobias says, uh, from, you know, AV Club, he yeah. says, uh, about Garbier, he says, there are no tougher, braver heroes in cinema than this grimly determined man. And uh, I think that's kind of an interesting point. I mean, it's like, I think I told you before, like, one of the, there's a lot of moving parts to me, but one of the, the most um, touching is the part where Jean-Francois, he's talking to the Gestapo guy, right? And is that basically after he's turned himself in? So essentially, he's, he's like, uh, he's essentially it's secret honor to the point where he's becoming publicly infamous right so like so the resistance thinks he's just a coward because he took off on them and the gestapo just thinks he's another you know freaking resistance rebel scum if you will (laughs) um, so like you know the gestapo leader is talking to him they haven't like roughed him up too much yet and the gestapo guy's like well you know the the great risk you're taking and and jean-francois like yeah i don't know what you mean he goes well you're going to be shot under a false name and your fate would remain a mystery and that's pretty touching in a way to go yeah, I'm going to do this and no one will know. I mean, his brother won't ever know that he was a member of the resistance and vice versa. You know, so that's a level of secret honor or secret courage, which to me makes it extremely moving. You know, um, I think there was, what was I going to say here? Uh, You know, I think it's interesting to see, I guess, all the different... I guess all the different roles that people played. Actually, there is, if you guys have time... Yeah. I have this little quote uh, from Bobby Kennedy, which um, really struck me. It was a speech he gave in um, South Africa, actually. And it was basically, uh, it basically he says, um, let's see here if I can find it. So, um, first is the danger of futility, the belief that there is nothing one man or one woman can do against the enormous array of the world's ills, against misery and ignorance, injustice, and violence. Yet many of the world's great movements of thought and action have flowed from the works of a single man. These men move the world, and so can we all. Few have had the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events, and the total of all those acts will be written in the history of this generation. It is from numberless diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others, or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. 
So to me, that's kind of the point of the movie in the end, you know? Uh, th that's what I find moving. I, I, you know, like uh, that part at the end where they, like you said, they talked about the little, they showed little titles, which I always thought, you know, and I think I mentioned this to you. It's like, I often wondered, like, is Martin Graffiti based on that? Because, you know, have you guys ever seen Martin Graffiti? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like, you know, he died in Vietnam. Right. There's yeah. like two of them die. And you're yeah. like, well, one of them is like, whereabouts unknown. It's like such a somber ending to that movie. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. And it's like that with this movie. And it's like sad because, like, one of the guys in. Army of Shadows, it's like, oh, he got a cyanide capsule out and he died. I'm like, oh, that's good. It's like, yeah. like in relatively speaking, Best case scenario. that's the happy one. Mm -hmm. That's the yeah. one where I'm like, oh, Lamasque, he got a cyanide capsule. <laughs> God bless him. You know, I mean, and then, of course, at the end where they say, uh, is the line about, um, well, uh, the uh, St. Luke basically died after giving up only one name, his own. Yeah. And, uh, and then they said on, let's see, February 13th, 1944, Felipe Gabriel, Gerbier decided that he this time he wouldn't run. Yeah. That, that just destroys me emotionally every freaking time. I've seen this movie five times, and that just reduces me to a blob every time. Yeah. Mm. There's something very admirable, admirable about people doing something where there's no... I don't know what the word is. There's, there's just no laurels. There's going to be nothing. And the worst part is, like, a lot of these guys, the sacrifice is so big that we won't ever know who they are. I mean, yeah. and that's true of most resistance movements is there's a lot they of They never lived to see a movie, even which their names were changed. I exactly. Mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty emotionally um, heavy-duty stuff. So I think for me, that's... You know, I think what I really like about the film. Then I also like, and you mentioned this too, I think the phrase used was everyone has a role to play. And uh, I've been actually saying that ever since uh, election night 2016. <laughs> friends were like, you know, some friends are like, well, I, you know, I, I want to do something. I'm really unhappy with what's going on. I don't like the, the direction the country's going. Oh, damn, you should have voted. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, these folks, in theory, voted. So yeah. If they hadn't, they at least were smart enough to not tell me this. Because <laughs> they would get a beating. No, Jill but, uh, Stein, Moon Crystals. Uh, <sighs> anyway, I'll leave We're going to have left. a Space Force, though. So yeah. Space Force. Force, my friends, yeah. fighting force. Anyway, but you know, and they'll say like, "Well, people will be like, well, I want to do something, but I don't." This, is, this really is just a stupid version of Reagan, isn't it? Because <laughs> he had the whole <laughs> Star, Star Wars, Wars. He, the it's whole Star exact... Wars thing. I was like, "This is just a stupid version it of is. Reagan." It is. It's stupid. Holy it's, shit! It's, it's like... stupid Reagan. It's it's like instead of, but it's a wall too. So yeah. not only is this damn space force, but it's a ridiculous wall that's not going to keep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but basically I'll just, you know, people will say, well, you know, I want to do something. And I'm like, you know what? Not everybody has to march. Not everybody has to campaign. Not everybody has to run for office. You know, everybody has a role to play is what I keep telling people. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't know what that role is until that moment. And hopefully you'll know enough to do it. You and, see a Nazi, you just tell them to go fuck themselves. Exactly. It's not yeah. until you're told to run that you'll know what your place in, in that race is. So. Indeed. Yeah. Exactly. And that that's, I think, one of the things I like about the film is all the different people in it like the barber you know character where he's mm -hmm. right because at yeah. first you know you're watching it like i don't know if you guys noticed but i didn't notice it until like maybe the third time i saw it but he's got like a poster of uh marshall patan who was like the collaborationist guy and he was like they like really tried to set him up as like the hitler friends yeah, yeah. very idolized mm. and so he's like he's got a razor to his throat <laughs> you yeah. know and he's like you're like what's he gonna do is he gonna turn him in and then at the last minute of course he comes out and he gives him that jacket but that was like one guy's one role to play i mean he couldn't do anything else he had to, he probably has a family he can't do anything else but at that one moment he was able to provide a tiny bit of help for somebody sanctuary sanctuary yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. or you know like all the guys who are um in the prison right before the execution scene 
um, where they're all sitting they around. They pass the pass smokes. Yep. Like in the novel, it's even more explicit that each one of them is from like a different class, from a different part of the country. Okay, like yeah. one guy's, you can kind of tell from their clothing. Like one dude's, well, like one's a kid, obviously. Uh, one is like a farmer, you know. And in the novel, they go into it. Like the farmer's like, yeah, I killed a bunch of guys. Basically, like Nazis would come over to get like booze from him in the middle of the night. And then he was just kind of like push him down the cellar, which was very deep. And, like, he ended up killing, like, over two dozen Nazis before they caught on. Dude, I would watch that movie. I, honestly. Just like a moonshiner who just moonshines yeah. as moonshine a Nazi pusher. Shining the, no. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so it's always, like, that kind of thing where these guys are all kind of walking. You know, and they've all got their cigarettes and they're all talking. You know, one guy's, like, a nobleman. And all he does is, like, <laughs> basically give protection for a few Jewish Frenchman. Like condoms. Right, like, yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Trojans in, yeah, sort of thing. But, anyway. but yeah. So, so, anyway. What kind yeah. of a rating would you give it out yeah. of I would give it a five. Five, five out of five. Right on. Yeah, because it's in my top 25. Fair. And, yeah. I mean, if it, there's some movies where you're like, you Do know. Do not be afraid to give fives out here. Because, let I me tell you. Um, there are certain people who are on this podcast. Yeah. Well, myself included. Like, I don't I do it. That Oh, the two of them. Yeah. I don't give fives, usually. <laughs> you don't give fives ever. I do give fives. Anyway. It's, I admire yes. that. Like Thank what you, you like. And I don't mean that in a weird kind of sending way. No, no, no. I, I mean, like, I want to be more like that. There you go. If you really like a film and you love it, you should give it a five. Mm. I agree. Stop I mean, it. Mm. Stop it. I mean, if I'm uh, right, stop, be, stop being that guy. I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm <laughs> Even just, I'm not that guy. I'm not trying to be that no. guy. I'm just being honest about my feelings which about is, ratings. Which, which it really should be your own thing. But seriously, though, you need to just get off your high horse a little bit. I don't, I'm not on a high horse. What is a five four, if not for at least a few movies? There are a couple of fours that were really good. There are a couple of four <laughs> and a half that were pretty good. But in, well, like, like I, that I, Godfather's I, a real three I, and a half. No, I fucking <laughs> said on my on my Gattaca episode. I pretty I much explained oh, what my. That's a cheat because that was our February favorites episode. So that wasn't just a random movie. Right. Yeah, but there was a reason why I gave that a five. It's okay. not just. I, I would if it's your favorite movie, man. I would. Yeah, I talked it. about it. It's like it's. I not, would hope so too. Because we were. Let me tell you, me and Alex were on the edge of our seat to see if it would get a five. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, so this was already a controversial issue by then. Oh yeah. I didn't oh, even yeah. realize. It was that. like, do you think Tucson's gonna give this like a three out of five? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 Tucson will be weird like that. Like he'll. Like say we say he, this with love. He absolutely <laughs> loves something. Some I say it with love. He'll absolutely love <laughs> something and give it a three and a half out of five. Yeah. And then he'll think something's well, the go- worst piece of shit, and he'll give it a three out of five, and it's really that's not true. That's not true. Very that's true. not true. That's not true. true. That's not true. I will compile that's not a list of sound clips. Go ahead, bitch. Wait a minute. When when you did uh, when you guys did the thing, uh, yes. you gave the four and a half, didn't you? Yeah, because I would have given him four and a half or five if I if I had any movie that I bring. Because the thing is one of my favorite films, and it, it's just not a perfect film, and it, it doesn't. Hit the one metric that I think. By the way, I finally love that movie. Good, fuck Uh, yeah! I mean, I liked it. By the way, by the way, my friends, it is being shown at the music box in seventy millimeter. Yeah, I want to go see that this month. There's that. We should go. And one other thing that I was going to go see, but I feel like it was a movie that Uh, no one else would actually go see. We are seeing something tomorrow. uh, Lawrence Arabia, uh, Patton, Silverado. It's something really random where I'm like, only I would want to see that. Oh, uh, Star Trek, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, I'd watch that in 70 mil. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, maybe we'll get together. I think that's an underrated, kooky sci-fi film. You haven't experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in its native Klingon tongue. That is true. Mm -hmm. 
Um, really quickly, my rating, yes. I give this a four out of five, and nice. that's not the first time viewing. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's definitely one of the best depictions of what I would think resistance looks like, and it's it's a credit to my country and the people that are not me and much better people than I am that I don't ever have to truly understand if this is realistic or not. Oh, but fuck? Everybody's got a role what? to play, my friend. Oh, okay. Because I've never had role. to live through oh, okay. something where I had to do anything of this nature. All right, yeah. You probably won't have to. I'm just trying it's to be good. humble. It's like you're talking about like a credit to my country, and I was like, what the fuck <laughs> are you a credit t- to the people who are not me. Oh, like, okay. Who lived in a different time and era okay. or in this era who are doing things that they probably shouldn't even have to do and mm-hmm. you know All right. anyway yeah listen to the episode and you'll see what i when <laughs> you'll see what Fuck i off. meant he, he won't <laughs> it's okay um but i genuinely think this is a really good meticulous character drama um and and i'm also here for the idea that this is like melville secretly doing a gangster film and i'm not saying mm-hmm. like if you love gangster movies it'll mean you'll love this movie but i love the way that these guys kind of just move in the shadows um, indeed the titular line <laughs> yeah an army the... if you will what? Of army in shadows oh, of shadows perhaps you might say per se Perhaps. I'm, got, I'm you, sorry. You, the Perhaps. two of you guys could have a conversation for 30 minutes and literally say nothing. And we <gasps> have. We've done that. Yeah, we pretty much do that. We're just going to say, get the fuck out. out of here. <sighs> we, so our, now, really quickly, mm-hmm. in case anyone wants to assassinate us, our, our normal hangout when mm-hmm. we get together is the Spotted Fox Ale House. Okay. Yep. And we'll stay there from like 5 till midnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. When they talking t- about when, what, when they tell you that they're closing before they actually close. You know close. what? I'm, I was pretty proud of us, Dan, <laughs> because we were out the door it was Sunday night, right? And we left the building at like nine thirty. Like we were standing yeah. out on the sidewalk when the lights went off. Mm-hmm. So at least they didn't have to tell us. Yeah, the, the, but that was only because we were going to go back to my house and watch a movie. Which if I did. hadn't brought that up, <laughs> I feel like we would have got kicked we out. Like, all right, let's just stay here long. Anyway, no, yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. That is true. But I think this is a great film, and I genuinely think that you can't do much better in watching um, something that is so... It, it, for me, the the depiction of the French in World War II, I feel like you probably should only watch things made by French directors. And I know mm. that sounds weirdly like... To an extent, like, that's true. Duh, mm. but I think they get a slight bad rap outside of uh, like you know there's a lot of dumb stereotypes in the Ameri- uh, in the U.S. and whatnot. So it was refreshing to see someone stick up for his you know country by depicting people who made horrible choices and whatnot for the betterment of you know humanity. Well, and well that's yeah. what they thought. And well, yeah, yeah, and it was. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I just think it's a great film, and I'm really excited. I there's quite a few Melville films I haven't seen. Nice. One of them actually being Les Samurai, even though I own it. Uh, um, so I have to watch that. Oh, yeah. But Definitely. for some of his lesser known stuff, I'm really excited to watch the one that stars this guy, uh, Vito. Uh, whatnot, Lino is, Ventura. Yeah, he's in like which I think three or four. Of them. He is, and there's one that's like it's not Bob Laflamore, but it's a different one. Oh, uh, Le, Le Dolas? Yes. Los no. Dolas? No. The Le, Le Cercle Rouge? No. Le, well, maybe he's Un in Flick? that. That was his very last one, I think. Anyway. No. Un Flick means like cop. Oh. Like the cop. I don't well, know why that is. Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, I mean, no. I know he's, he's, he's in... in several of... Oh, he's in um, uh, the uh, Double Souffle. That's it. Yeah, that's I was going to say movie. it sounded like food. Yeah, it's like the, the it, second wind. So anyway, like, yeah. that one I'm excited to see now that I know that he's in it because I 
very much enjoyed his performance in this. So he's I awesome in that movie too. Four out of five. Right on. So if you out there in podcasting land have any thoughts on Army of Shadows, Hi. or if you've seen Army of Shadows, uh, please get a hold of us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or try really hard to find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. You'll never find me. Probably not because we don't really work on those pages very yeah. often. We really should. Well, once Dan started commenting, I'm like, okay, this attracts all the wrong people. Right, <laughs> right. So reprobates. You know. Coming up on our next episode, we are going to hit on our fourth Paul Thomas Anderson film. Yeah. As we've previously uh, done, uh, there will be blood. There will be blood. Magnolia and Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. So Hell the film yeah. we're going to do is probably my second favorite film of Paul Thomas Anderson, and this is in what I would feel like is his golden age of filmmaking, which some people who may be top Paul Thomas Anderson fanboys feel like this is before his craft was refined, uh, but that's okay. Yes and no. <laughs> okay. At any rate, uh, Boogie Nights is the film we'll be talking about. He went uh, from being a master thief to being... A masterpiece. Boom. That's, Being Master P. That, that is, a hip-hop artist. That, that's a left turn no where Nick was going, but, that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, this film, Boogie Nights, uh, A, they close Paul Thomas Anderson, but at the same time, uh, Nick, you've been really into pornography lately. So... Yeah. Can, can we just clarify that statement a little bit, though? You've been I'm really saying, into pornography. I've like... been really into the golden age sure. of pornography, okay. which is first, depicted first thing, in first this thing, movie. First thing, I was shot on celluloid. Okay. I wasn't even participating. I was in the other room cleaning up my fucking Yai spill that went everywhere. Yeah. But I heard you talking about a pornography film that involved a really horrible rape. And all I thought was, you do, do this to yourself. Um, <laughs> well, not not the person, but you. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I didn't do it. To be fair, I was a spectator. Yeah. No, <sighs> God damn it. At any rate, uh, Boogie Nights definitely surrounds the end of the golden age of pornography. Yes, it does. And uh, features some just absolutely fantastic uh, acting performances from people who you would not expect at this time. So uh, funny how Burt Reynolds hates this movie. What a horrible person. Does he? I mean, not so much he hates the movie, but A, he says he hates PTA because he was a hot shot 20-something year Because he was super young like for being able to get that kind yeah, of money and whatnot. But... But he says that basically he hates PTA, and, and actually there have been reports that they almost came to fisticuffs multiple times on the set mm. because he was an old washed-up person mm -hmm. who, in my opinion, was given a nice second chance to oh, do something yeah. great, mm -hmm. and PTA was a hot-shot young director, now, and there's a lot of obviously... Th th this is the same person who lathered himself up in butter, mm -hmm. put on cowboy boots, and did a horrible southern accent yep. in striptease. Yep. And uh, yeah. he hates Paul Thomas Anderson. For I was going to say, and genuinely, he like he thinks <laughs> the movie like he was like, oh, it's it's just trash. And okay. Like that, so. Oh wow. Fine. Which is so funny because he's also one of the best parts of it. Yeah. But that's why because he doesn't. Okay. Part of it is that he doesn't believe in himself. Oh. Yeah, I could see that. But obviously, this is this is pretty early like actual yeah. acting, Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and obviously, other performances by people like Heather Graham. Don and Cheadle. also John C. Riley. People learned Don who Cheadle. Heather Graham was because of yeah. this movie. Oh, oh I knew who she was. Why? Well, drugstore cowboy. Never mind. Go on. 
Sorry, and then I meant. Oh, how she was. I mean, paid well, attention. In that and, sense, I already... Never mind. Go ahead. And, and then you have... I'm uh, just trying to say some of this was like formative for some people. I, okay. You're right. I'm sorry. William H. Macy also here, yes. too. Uh, so that'll be fun to talk about Bookie Nights <laughs> coming up on our next episode. Dan, thank you very much for stopping by today and joining us. It was it was a pleasure. And thank you. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do another episode with you sometime soon. I had a great time. Let's do yep. another one right now. Oh, I'm kidding, of course. I was going to say, can I at least use the bathroom first, please? Yeah, I know, this one went on way too long. No, it's okay. It's, we talked about Brian's episode, and then you pretty much eclipsed that, so that's At fine. least we I know. talked about real things, and we didn't do an episode on a bad DC movie where we just then talked about Marvel for two hours. Pretty much, yeah. That's so, exactly how it went. Just saying. Yep. So, from Dan... Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for joining us here on Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. <laughs>